Whether it's a girls' night out or a night in with sprinkles, the refreshing taste of Kim Crawford makes any moment amazing. Available in Sauvignon Blanc and Rosé. Buy Kim Crawford at orderkimcrawford.com. Make it amazing. Please enjoy our wines responsibly. 2022 Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California, USA. Is gown on? Yes, she does. And uh, Mr. Catfish, good to see you. Dirty Filth, Noble Patrick. Carfunibre, how you doing, man? Nice to see you. <clears throat> Oob to Joe's Maine, you need new slippers. Courtesy of Lola. Yeah. Jose, nice to have you here. Awesome Annie Svensson, thanks for coming on in. Brown Dwarf, good to see you. Digger Dog, be kind. Thank you for joining us. Sweet Donna C, always a pleasure. Zen One, Uncle Dale and his power stash are here. Remember, if you see Uncle Dale in Austin, Texas, rub his power stash for good luck right through the 4th of July. Gorgeous Gloria, Noble Patrick, J.G. Hartwell, Mama Susan, Donnie Cho, looking good tonight. And Richard Elmore is here. We need him around here. The lovely Jenny, thank you for coming on in. And who else is here? We're going to run out of time. I could feel it in the studio. Penman, good to have you here. Scotty Jensen, thanks for joining us. The gorgeous Amy WC. And thank you, Science Bob, for a wonderful super chat. Very much appreciate that. The gorgeous Jordan Ashley Pettit. Ghost Dragon, hey, it's been a while. How you doing, man? Nice to see you. Thanks for coming on in. Chris Stubb, welcome to SOR Chat. The rest of you, horns up. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them. On our website, we got a great show for you tonight as Steve Stockton is here to talk about people who just vanish. Then in hour number three, we'll bring you a story from the swamp courtesy of Swamp Dweller. Super Duke will be back with the cryptid report. It's Dave 101 night and Shirky Poo has the news. One of the most popular YouTube channels about missing people is called Missing Persons and Mysteries. Now, Steve Stockton is one of the founders and creators of that channel, along with being the voice of of the gods when it comes to telling spooky stories. Yes, he is a wonder in this field. He is a researcher, an experiencer. He loves the cryptid world, but more so Steve loves the mysteries as to what is going on in this world and what is happening, more importantly, to people who just vanish. Steve is a veteran outdoorsman, paranormal researcher, and together he puts collections of terrifying, odd, and strange encounters together 
for your entertainment. Steve Stockton, my friend, it is always a pleasure to have you on Spaced Out Radio. The beard is looking hey. fantastic. How you been doing? It's a little, little shorter than last time. I, I trimmed it up some, but I'm doing great. I got rid of all this, kind of dropped the Sasquatch look. Uh, got the haircut, so you can't really see it, but... Uh, I was getting pretty rugged looking there. My daughter said I looked like I was ready for a Slayer tribute band. So I, I thought I might ought to trim it up. So good to see a lot of my crowd here in the chat tonight. Lala Bright, my newest and bestest friend there. Uh, Vixen Doe, Jamie Bailey, met her and her mom in a meet and greet I did uh, recently in Yakima. Uh, lots, of, lots of my crowd here. Melissa Nicole, be kind. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Well, it's always a pleasure because, and you know, I got to thank you, my friend, because, you know, you and I became friends about three years ago, four years ago now, and we had always kind of listened to each other's channel. And finally, I was like, hey, man, I got to do a show with this guy. Have to. And because people were asking. So I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. And I'll tell you, Steve, you know, you have helped so many channels out there and so many friends out there by promoting what what we do, including this show. And I just, you know, on behalf of all our audience and our YouTube followers especially, I want to say a big thank you for everything that you do for helping out not only us, but many channels out there with that you uh, put your stamp behind, man. Yeah, I just, I, a lot of times I see talent, I see quality, I see something that I enjoy, I figure my audience will too, so I'm happy to recommend it. Uh, same with authors and things. I'm on uh, Beyond the Fray as my publisher, Shannon LeGrow and her outfit. I've sent probably a half a dozen people over there that got uh, a publishing contract. So if, if you're writing a book and you don't have a publisher, hit me up. I'll see if I can help you. <laughs> Perfect. Not a problem. For people who may not be familiar with you outside of your channel, you know, how did you get started in the whole paranormal phenomena? Well, I'd, I'd written... Well, it actually goes back to childhood. I had some experiences and things. But uh, later in life, I wrote those down, decided to see if I had enough to write a book. Because I'd been collecting stories since I was about 13 years old. Had an epiphany at my grandma's funeral that, you know, all the legends, all the stories, all the tales of Hanks and Boogers of Appalachia that she had told me, I thought it dies right there with her because nobody's going to retell them. And I decided, you know, I'm not going to let them die. I'm going to be the one to retell the stories. So I, I started cataloging them and didn't write the book till I was actually probably 40 or so, in my 40s anyway. And uh, just kind of took off from there. And then uh, I started. I want, decided I wanted to narrate. I didn't know I could even do it. Uh, but I was uh, into the, the horror narration community and those people over there. And I thought, I'd like to try that. And uh, a lot of people, they'll narrate stuff off of Reddit and things like that. And I didn't want to do that, but I didn't really have the time to write original stories. And I thought, well, duh, I've got uh, two or three books sitting here that I've written. I'll narrate my own stuff. So I started doing that and uh, started the 13 Past Midnight channel. And Bill, the the guy that started Missing Persons and Mysteries, uh, stumbled across some uh, missing persons cases I'd done in the great smoky mountains that were personal to me. And he'd heard that and he left a comment in the video and like, Hey, come, come narrate for me. And I would get that occasionally, you know, and you go over and look and it'd be like somebody with 20 or 30 subscribers. But I went and looked. And at that time, I think, I think he was around eight, 9,000, maybe 10,000. So to me, that was a lot. And, uh, I went over there, signed up with him. Uh, He made me a full partner within just a short time. 
And uh, just the other day, we passed 205,000 subscribers. It's taken us Good about two you. years Good to do that you. organically. And we're just, we're, we're loving life right now. It's uh, all about the missing people. That's our main focus and always will be. But the mystery side of that, we have a lot of woo over there, a lot of cryptids, a lot of supernatural stories. Uh, one of our most popular segments is listener stories where people can write in with their own experiences uh, that's happened to them or to someone they know, like a parent or a child or whatever. And um, I narrate those. So uh, good times. Said it just started out innocently. Saw my first full-bodied apparition about five years old, uh, between four and five, and uh, didn't scare me. Just uh, piqued my interest. Like, hmm, what was that? And uh, put, put me on this road, and here I still am. And uh, got even more questions than when I started. There are no answers. Not really. It's uh, the quest for the next question. Well, it, but, you know, that's, that's the big problem. That's part of the fun. Yeah, you got that right, man. It is part of the fun that <laughs> people's experiences, no matter how scare, scary or how dreary they may be, are what we cover and what we do and, and what, you know, tantalize our taste buds regarding everything in this field, Steve. I mean, you have covered mysteries from Sasquatch to Dogman to aliens to portals and every gnome and and ghost in between. I mean, mm. you, I think you can hit the nail on the head with the fact that there are no answers to anything that we're doing. You know, but are we getting closer? Are we getting to the point where we are starting to see patterns or connections between some of these stories of of monsters and people who go missing? Uh, I think so, and a lot of that is due to just it being more accepted now. More people are talking about it with the advent of the Internet and, and stuff like YouTube, social media. You, you find that there are people that have had experiences similar to what you've had or you know, the things that people thought were one-off or just happened to them. It's nice to find somebody else that experienced the same thing in that way. Even though you already know what you saw or what you experienced and you're not crazy, it does sort of give you some validation whether you need it or not. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, the more we look into the missing, now not all of them, some of it's just uh, misadventure, being ill-prepared, but there are a lot of cases that we look into that do have a supernatural element, and there's a lot of theories out there, and at this point can't say whether any are right or wrong, but there's human predation, serial killers, there's animal predation, uh, bears, big cats, things like that. But then there's people that think uh, maybe uh, UFOs and aliens are involved, uh, possibly uh, portals. People can walk into a portal and disappear. Some of the accounts that uh, we've covered where somebody was just walking along on the trail, suddenly they weren't on the trail anymore. They didn't know where they were. Turned around 180 degrees, no sign of where they'd come from originally. And uh How'd you like to get lost that way with no clue where you're at or how you got there? Uh, there's also the faith theory that's uh, been expressed recently. Uh, some people think uh, Bigfoot or Dogman or the Glimmer Man or some type of creature like that is responsible for some of these disappearances. Uh, me, I, I say the, the best answer that I know is that I don't know. And uh, it, it could be any or all of the above. But some I will rule out, like the animal predation and things like those. You have a lot of people, especially skeptics, that are quick to jump to, oh, it was a bear, it was a mountain lion. But uh, 
if it were an animal, there'd be signs of a struggle. There'd be blood. There'd be torn clothing. There would be, I mean, a bear's not going to eat your blue jeans or your tennis shoes. There would be stuff left behind. And in a lot of these cases, there's absolutely no trace. Uh, the dogs can't pick up a scent. It was like the person just simply vanished into thin air. Well, and that's a big one because, you know, you said something right off the bat that the majority of us do not go out into the wilderness prepared, whether it's for an hour or whether it's for five hours. Like, I I can give you a prime example of this. My buddies and I went to one of our gifting sites uh, this past weekend. And and Steve, I, I, I got nearly a flat tire. I had a tire that was much low. And I thought I had put my air pump in the back of my Jeep. No, I did not. And here we are, stranded, wondering, do we change the tire? Do we not? And then right behind us, another Jeep comes up and says, hey, you guys okay? I asked him, I said, do you have an air pump? He did. He was fully prepared. But that's how <laughs> simple things can go wrong, starting with a flat tire, you know, and, and not knowing your area, not knowing where there's water sources or bringing water or blankets or, or something along those lines. I mean, for the people who go missing – you know, whether you're in a, an area where there is animal predation or not, we just are too stupid, and I use that word loosely, to actually think of the consequences before we head out. Yeah, you see a lot of that. Uh, the best rule of thumb that I can recommend is even if you're just going for a short day hike, only think you're going to be gone a few hours, prepare like you're going for two days. Take some extra food, even if it's freeze-dried food take some extra water or uh, some sort of device to clean water with so that you can drink out of a stream or a mud hole if you need to uh you know a space blanket pack light but pack smart and uh, another thing that i recommend they've gotten more popular the prices drop down a lot plb personal locator beacon uh, those are invaluable rarely rarely do you hear of somebody who went missing that had a personal locator beacon with them. And what that does, once you, you trip that, it uh, sends a signal up to the satellite that uh, sends your coordinates to the search and rescue teams in the area. hundred percent. Good advice. Very good advice. So Steve, out of all the cases that you have covered, which are the ones that kind of make you scratch your head the most? Well, the, the number one is the Dennis Martin case out of the Great Smoky Mountains, went missing on Father's Day, 1969. He's up in an area above Cades Cove called Spence Field with his uh, father, grandfather, and brother, kind of a boy's day out for um, Father's Day. And uh, he was playing hide-and-seek with some other kids that they met up there. His father watched him go behind some bushes or possibly into some bushes and uh, never came back out. When the other kids came around and his dad's like, you know, well, where's Dennis? And they're like, we haven't seen him since we were playing the game. The dad goes directly to where he saw him last, walks all the way around. It walks into the clump of brush there. There's no Dennis. And that's when he realized he was missing. Uh, he took off in a run down the Appalachian Trail, which passes near that area, and sent his father down to the ranger station. And just within a short time, that was the biggest search and rescue ever in the Smokies at that time. And uh, one of the reasons that sticks with me so well, uh, I was five going on six. Dennis was six going on seven. We're from the same town, Knoxville, Tennessee. He lived on the other side of town. And in my little five-year-old mind, 
almost six. That was the first time I really got my head around, you know, hey, bad things can happen to kids. You can go missing and never show back up. But I kept pulling for him. I, back then, Knoxville had two newspapers, uh, the morning paper, the Knoxville Journal. The evening paper was the Knoxville News Sentinel. Uh, we got both. Every single day since that disappearance, I would go through those and look for news of Dennis. And there was a lot of uh, ink, a lot of press coverage at first. And I thought every day, you know, well, today's the day they'll find him. Today's the day they'll find him. And they never did. And somewhere I've still got a couple of scrapbooks. I think my sister-in-law has them full of clippings that I clipped out. And in my little mind, again, I wasn't quite six years old. I thought, well, you know, we live close to the Smokies an hour away. Of course, that was an hour by car. And I thought, well, what if he wandered down this way? And he's scared and hungry. So uh, I put some, we lived on a 25 acre farm out in rural East Tennessee. I left some uh, snacks for him out in the woods and got out on the country road that we lived on and looked for him on my Schwinn Stingray. But uh, just, again, one of those things. And he was wearing a a red shirt, a red jacket. You would think he'd be easy to find, but uh, no sign of him. And there's been a lot of theories, a lot of conjecture on that one. Uh, There was uh, Green Berets that came in and helped search. The Green Berets don't normally look for missing kids. The official story is they were on maneuvers in the area and decided to lend a hand. But some of the theories claim that they were there for another reason, that they were in there to fight whatever it was that took him. There's a guy here on YouTube. Uh, I don't know his name. He just goes by South Force 10. He claims that it's uh, some sort of Sasquatch hybrid, feral, human, cannibalistic type creature that took Dennis and that the government knows about them. That's one of the reasons that's where the national park is where it is, that it's a sort of a containment thing. And uh, he claims that his relatives uh, from that area, he lives just in the shadow of the Smokies there, that his relatives helped hunt these beasts back in the 1930s before the park was established. So who knows? You know, it's, it's fascinating to think of, even if it was just, a, a, a normal disappearance, if there is any such thing, if it was an abduction or something like that, whoever did it to whatever did it took him with a hundred percent efficiency to leave absolutely no trace, no forensic evidence, nothing. There are not very many creatures in this world that can do that. Humans are messy. Absolutely. Humans mm-hmm. are messy. Uh, predator animals are messy. You know, it has to be something that can move fast, that can move without a trace, knows the territory, knows how to get around silently. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on with these cases. And it's not just Dennis Martin. There are cases happening every year, every month, every week, where people on this planet just vanish. They disappear, Steve, and we don't know where they are. We don't know what went on. We don't know if it's foul play. There's, you know, a lot of these cases, there's no suicide involved, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, do you ever just scratch your head and think, you know, are they walking into different timelines, into portals where, you know, you could be hiking with your parents one minute and all of a sudden a portal opens up, you walk in through it, your parents are still there on the other side. But on this side now, you're gone. Yeah, I, I believe that, that that is possible in some cases. There have been reports of people where they could see and hear the searchers. They're yelling back. 
they're waving their arms and it's like they can't see them. Even though they can see the searchers, the searchers can't see or hear them. So it, it does stand to reason that it's some sort of portal or glitch or uh, rift in the, the space-time fabric or something. Uh, it, it could be possibly some sort of natural phenomenon that we don't know and we don't understand yet, or it could be something otherworldly. And I think that's what's so fascinating about studying these cases, because as many differences there are, there are a lot of similarities too. Uh, people of Germanic descent uh, have a, a better chance of going missing. Uh, people that are, are extremely educated, like PhD level, tend to go missing more than people that aren't as educated. But likewise, people on the, the autism spectrum tend to go missing. People wearing red are more likely to go missing than those not. Uh, if you're near berry fields or boulder fields and other places that people often go missing. And then also that's sometimes where they're found uh, alive and deceased. Uh, covered one case where a guy was found in a boulder field, you know, just a, a flat open field full of boulders, and he looked like he had fallen from a considerable height, even though there was no place for him to have fallen from. Now that that's you know doesn't make any sense anyway, but um, the uh, Algonquin tribe in New England have uh, a legend about a, a creature that can that looks like a rock. And it, what it likes to do is, is open up and swallow people. And then when it's done with whatever it's doing with you, getting nourishment or, or whatever, then it spits you out. And if you think about that, if there were some sort of rock creature that uh, opened up, swallowed this guy, and then spit him back out, he might look like he had fallen from a considerable height. In the same area in New England, there was people found uh, back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, found a guy in the woods that had been lost for several days just out in the open, but he looked like he'd been crushed to death. So there's, there's some weird, weird stuff going on out there. And it's one of those, you know, like Charles Fort said, one measures a circle beginning anywhere, but the more you look into it, the stranger it gets. Iced tea knows iced tea, which is why I get my iced tea at Raisin Cane's. We're both fresh all day. Sometimes we're sweet. Sometimes we're unsweet, Jack. So chill out with your favorite iced teas this summer at Raisin Cane's. One love. <laughs> Request a free demo of the O'Reilly Learning Platform at O'Reilly.com. That's O'Reilly.com. And like with the paranormal, there there aren't any real answers. You mentioned suicide. That's a possibility. There are people that, that go in the, the woods to opt out. But to me, you would be hard-pressed to find an area right away. I mean, within a few hours or even a couple of days where no one would ever stumble across anything of your remains. I mean, yeah, there, like I said, there's animal predation. The critters are going to gnaw your bones if they come across what's left of you. But again, whatever you wore in there should still be around. Uh, there's, there's certain things, parts that, that animals won't eat. And uh, even cases like that where they have found remains and bones and things, it'll sometimes be in a strange situation. One case we covered where a guy had gone missing, they found his pants on a log, still had the leg bones in the pants, uh, foot bones were in the socks, which are just out of the, sticking out of the end of the pants. Uh, they found his boots like 12 miles away, and uh, he had gone missing at a time when there was three feet of snow on the ground. So why on earth would somebody take their boots off, walk through the snow, 
and then sit down and basically just disintegrate on the log. And then the only other part they found of him was the, I think the cap of his skull, which they found several hundred yards away. Now, again, that could be due to animals and whatnot, but a lot of it makes no sense. Uh, sometimes clothing is found uh, carefully folded and uh, placed on a rock or on a log. Um, it's found in trees. Uh, sometimes there, there was one particular case where the, the person, even the, the searchers even said when they found the clothing up in the tree limbs, said it looked like something had taken the guy up. And uh, that's uh, another quote from, uh, I think that was on Mount Shasta, a very strange place. I was up there back in March uh, before on my way down to the conference there in San Francisco. Uh, there was a guy up there that just simply vanished. And uh, the, the sheriff that was doing the search and rescue overseeing the event, the event, uh, incident commander, said he either went into the mountain or up because he's not on the mountain. Now, there are caves and things on Mount Shasta, but they searched the ones that they know about. So, you know, that that's kind of strange for a search and rescue professional to say, maybe he went up. <laughs> Very true. Steve, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here. At the bottom of the hour, Steve Stockton for Missing Persons Mysteries and 13 Past Midnight on YouTube. Highly suggest you subscribe to both of those channels if you want to be weirded out, freaked out, or just wonder what the hell is going on in this planet. It is weird, it is strange, but these are happenings that are taking place. Steve Stockton is the dude who is going to tell you all about the missing mysteries. Spaced Out Radio continues with the second half hour right after this. All right, we're clear. I know thanks to Steve, we have a lot of new listeners who may be tuning us in for the first time. We are a live radio show and YouTube. You kind of get the behind the scenes uh work of everything so uh you still are going to hear us but on the radio side we are on commercial break this isn't an ordinary podcast sort of thing so we just want to let you know wondering why we're going to a commercial break and why isn't the interview uh continuing well you can blame our radio stations not a problem steve and uh, let's see what dirty filth is working on here for us tonight let's take a little peek here oh he's drawing some blue sky that looks like a Maybe a, a, a bird or a sun? <clears throat> What's he doing here? No, that's a sun. That's definitely a sun. <clears throat> a desert sun. A desert sun. Hello, gorgeous wagon, November 3rd. How are you? <clears throat> <clears throat> there we go. What's the significance about November 3rd, I wonder? It's her birthday, November 3rd. Someone needs to get her a cake or a pie or a pizza. I suggest a pizza. Well, it's not her birthday yet. Her birthday's November 3rd. Gordium, how you doing, man? Welcome back. That is a nice yellow paint. I noticed that you cut open your your. Uh, your this is a liquid watercolor. Yes. But uh, I open the lid. I let it dry out, 
that I can cut it open and I can use it whenever I want. Instead of, I got these gloopy globs on here. That's wet watercolor that I let dry as well. It's just easier to open up the, the thing. It, it doesn't go anywhere. It's not like acrylic where it dries out. You're doomed forever and you can never use it. Just add water. Gotcha. Hi, stunning Stacy Tillman mask. D. Cohen, thank you for joining us. What is said music playing in the background? Oh, geez. I apologize. What is that? It's, um, I can't say the name because then otherwise you'll go to Facebook jail, but I'll. No, listening to it, you can say the name. Oh, I can say the name. Well, the band is called Mind in a Box and the song is called Stalkers. Nice. That's kind of uh, fitting for tonight. Yes. Sorry. It's just my uh, microphone picks up like everything. You are. Well. That's because you are a microphone that picks up everything. I, I guess I'd be more of a sponge because, yeah, all that fuzz on my chest and whatnot. But anyways, you are, uh, you I can't are. tell you what this drawing is because I feel like everybody <laughs> anticipates what happens until it actually gets all yeah, drawn you can't up. Tell so us. I'm not gonna you can't it. tell us. That's for sure. Because you can't really see the pencil markings too well. No, no. No. Good. But you know, you know, we should uh, announce to our audience that when we have our Vegas party in May of next year, and we're going to confirm this in, in within the next couple of weeks here, that Dirty Filth is going to make sure that if you get your tickets early when we put them on sale, when you get your tickets early to that, that it will guarantee you a Dirty Filth piece of art. Yeah. That's true. <clears throat> yeah. So if you want to party with us, you're going to get a piece of Dirty Filth original art right there. And it only comes in metric. That's right. Only comes in metric. Matthew Kennedy, how you doing, man? Christine wants to see a hairy chest touch. Unfortunately, my camera doesn't turn that direction. So mm. if you go to Vegas, 10 bucks, you can touch chest hair. Yes. I don't know. Uh, what the hell? Mark Let's Sanchez. Let's like set up like a fun for it. Mm-hmm. Mark Sanchez, how you doing? We got like 30 seconds. Steve Stockton's probably listening on his headphone saying, what the hell did I get myself into tonight? Yeah, he's like, I'm out. See you later, yeah. Thank you to Ghost Dragon, Science Bob, and Big Dog for the amazing Super Chats tonight. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And thank you all for tuning us on in. We're going to get going here with the second half hour in about five seconds. So uh, sit back, relax, and here we go. Got to bring up the cats quick. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. 
Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. From Missing Persons Mysteries on YouTube and 13 Past Midnight, the man, the myth, and the man with the voice of a legend, Steve Stockton, is here to talk about all things weird and strange and people who just vanish into the night, never to be seen again. Steve, welcome back. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for taking the time, man. I don't know how my microphone got on mute there. I did not. Mute, I did not <laughs> mute my mic. Weird. Gremlin in the studio there. Man. Very weird. Very. Well, it's a pleasure weird. to be here, Dave. I'm, I'm not sure how many times this makes that I've been on here. Several, anyway. Always a pleasure to be here and to be back. Uh, you have a great audience. Uh, I watch you just about every night, although a lot of times I'm just lurking, listening in the background. I know you I'm, are. You tell me that all the time. Doing something else, but occasionally I'll say hi. I always give it a, a thumbs up, though. And encourage all my people, subscribe and like. Help Dave out here. He's got a great show, got a great theme going on here. Uh, I like to call him the Art Bell of Canada. Well, that that is way too high a praise. Way too high. So thank you. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, I, I want to ask you because, you know, you have studied so many of these cases of people who go missing. And, you know, recently there was a, a young boy, three years old in Montana, who disappeared mm-hmm. for two days. And then they found him two and a half miles away in a shed that there was no way that he should could have been able to get into that shed. But there he is, right. not a scratch on him, little cold, little hungry, little thirsty, but his eyes, man, were... Yep, yep. were Everybody's were, talking about that. Uh, I actually, uh, Sandy, my head writer, just sent me a script on that right before the show started. I'll be recording it after we're making a video about it. But everybody's talking about his eyes, and people are saying, that kid has seen some crap, except they, they use a, a different uh, vernacular there, but... Yeah, he just other people somewhat jokingly, I hope, were saying that's a different kid. They, you know, take that whatever that is back and go find the real kid. But uh, yeah, it's uh, several miles in uh, freezing temperatures in place the in, in Montana that's full of bears and mountain lions and all kinds of things, and they found him in the shed of uh, somebody's cabin, like a vacation cabin, apparently. And uh, I think the only thing he said was that he. Um, Went for a walk and he got tired. Uh, you know, two miles, that, that's quite a ways. And something I was noticing in, in the picture with the eyes there, uh, he's in his sock feet. His socks are dirty and, and there's holes in the toes and stuff. But they're not dirty enough to have walked a couple of miles in the woods. So I'm wondering if he had shoes on originally. If he did have, where are the shoes? Uh, that's that's something else that's common in a lot of these cases. People are found without their shoes, or or they'll find the shoes and not the person. But uh, that's not the first time that's happened. Uh, I was doing some research on that case to to send to Sandy to write it up, and uh, three years old seems to be 
the magic number. Uh, last year, there was a three-year-old in Australia that went missing for several days and was found quite a ways away. There was another uh, child, I don't remember where he was, also last year, also three years old, that uh, wandered away and was, was found alive and unhurt, but obviously in a place that a three-year-old couldn't get to. Um, we've had cases of even smaller children uh, found several miles away, like up a mountain, down the other side, and back up another mountain, uh, like a, a kid in diapers. So how did they get there? Did something take them there? Did they teleport there? Did somebody snatch them and then chicken out and just leave them? You know, it just it, it boggles the mind at the, at the possibilities. And usually it happens to a child that's too small to remember exactly what happened. There's been cases of children uh, say that, uh, well, I was lost in the woods, but a, a big bear or a big dog took care of me and uh, cuddled with me and kept me warm and fed me berries. Now, you and I know that a, a bear or a dog is not going to cuddle with a child and, and feed it anything. To me, that sounds like a Bigfoot or Sasquatch or some kind of cryptid like that, maybe even a dogman. I don't know. Are, are there benevolent dogmen out there? Well, there was a case in North Carolina a year and a half ago that happened in the wintertime where this young boy was found in a briar patch that had already been searched. He was gone mm -hmm. for two and a half days, and he said, the, the big teddy bear kept me warm and fed me. <laughs> well, anybody who knows anything about the outdoors knows that if a bear wakes up out of hibernation, there's two things that they want. They're angry because they've woken up. They're angry because they're hungry. And they're angry because they've been disturbed. And mm -hmm. they will attack. A, a, a bear that is coming out of hibernation or has its hibernation disturbed is not a happy, cuddly monster. Agreed. That just, that doesn't happen. I grew up in the smoking, I've seen a lot of bear and stuff, but I've never seen one that I would want to cuddle with or that I would expect it to cuddle with me. And another thing, don't get between a mama bear and her cubs. They will absolutely tear you apart, even if they're not angry. They're very, very protective. A lot of people don't realize that. You see tourists feeding the bears and whatnot and getting them up to the car window. That's a good way to get attacked. Although, uh, since the inception of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park in 1934, there have only been five fatalities by bear attack, but there's been over 50 fatalities of plane crashes. So if you go to the Smokies, don't worry about the bears. Just don't fly over them. Yeah, keep your eyes above looking for those planes, <laughs> making sure they're not coming on down. But there is a reality to this. It isn't the fault of parents for not paying attention to their children. You know, children play. A lot of these situations happen with children, Steve, where they're playing games like cops and robbers or hide and go seek or tag, mm -hmm. or they're, they're playing fetch with their dog. How many times do we hear like this case in Montana where this boy mm -hmm. was playing with his dog outside? Just natural stuff that we take for granted yeah. as parents. But I, I want to ask you in regards to the situations, a lot of these places where where kids are taken from their yard, they're in rural areas. There are forests mm -hmm. nearby. You know, how do we protect our children in these type of areas when we don't know what's lurking and what's watching them? Yeah, and as sad as it sounds, you have to keep an eye on them every minute. And 
people like me, I grew up out in the country. Like I said we had 25 acres. We had a lot of old growth timber. Only five of that was cleared off. I played in the woods. I was out of sight, you know, and then oh, yeah. sometimes would wander off other places. Uh, Tennessee Valley Authority had an easement there where they had backed up uh, the Clinch River and made Melton Hill Lake. And uh, I'd, I would wander on TVA property, therefore wasn't trespassing, sometimes for miles. My parents had no idea where I was, but as long as I was home, by the time it got dark or by the time supper was ready, I usually didn't get in any trouble. Didn't volunteer any information either. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, things have changed. I, of course, I did stuff as a kid that I'd be scared to death to do now. Uh, even as a, a younger adult, I've hiked all up and down the Appalachian Trail. I've never through-hiked it, but I've hiked on it in every state that it goes through except for Maine so far. That's on my bucket list. But uh, you couldn't pay me to solo hike now. And I do the the rough country stuff, the backcountry camping and uh, rough camping and things like that. And I wouldn't do that anymore. I'll, I'll camp in a cabin or a hotel room. <laughs> well, you make up a, a good sign. Are we just more aware of it now? Because, look, I remember growing up, we had a little forest in the park right beside us. And I remember my sister saying the green man lived in there. There was this green mm-hmm. man, that, and I never really bought into it. I asked my sisters, oh, geez, 20 years ago about this, and they were just like, oh, that forest was freaky at night. And it was tiny. It was only a couple hundred yards long and maybe a hundred yards wide. And on the other side of the park, there was tennis courts and, you know, uh, uh, more more trees. It was a park surrounded by four different subdivisions. You know, I mean, it wasn't that big, but I remember my sisters talking about this, this green man in there, and it kind of always freaked us out a little bit. And, but we grew up where we would play cops and robbers in there, hide and go seek each Friday and Saturday night. And, and especially during the summer, it was hide and go seek night for all the kids in the cul-de-sac. And yet today mm-hmm. I look at myself with my with my kid who is now, you know, he'll be nine next week. There is no way in hell, man, that I let him <laughs> go wandering around the way my parents did. So is it because the main the media and social media especially has made us more aware of these happenings or have the happenings increased? I, I think it's both, actually. I think that uh, as our world's gotten smaller with uh, electronic media, the Internet, social media, things like that, we are more aware of things. But then also that's made it uh, a, a bigger playground for uh, human predators and uh, people like that that are, that are out to do harm, people that lure children to places from the Internet. So I think it's, it's a little bit of both. But uh, I've noticed myself that kids just don't play outside. Like used to here where I live in uh, Oregon, it's fairly rural, but there's some kids around, but there's maybe one or two kids that get out for a few minutes in the afternoon on their bicycles. When I was a kid, everybody got out on their bicycles and we'd ride usually a couple of miles, two and a half miles back to where our school was and play on the playground uh, after school was over and we got home. So uh, it's, I mean, we, we are in an age of helicopter parenting and stuff like that, but I think it pays to be. Lala, thank you so much for the, the super sticker there. That's She didn't hear it earlier when it first started, but she's my newest and bestest friend. She's an awesome lady. Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. Anybody, honestly, if you're looking for a reading from an incredible intuitive, Lala Bright is the one to do that. 
Uh, yes, sir. I, I am just stunned by what she's been able to read off me. Stunned. It just weirds me out. Nobody should know that stuff, but she does. She's given me a reading this weekend. I can't wait. Oh, be prepared, Steve. Be prepared. That's all I'm going to say. You know, (laughs) she actually is the one who brought out the fact that the late Butch Witkowski, who was a staple on this show for a number of years before he passed away earlier this January, that Mm -hmm. uh, he actually hangs out in the studio here. Wouldn't surprise me a bit. Request a free demo of the O'Reilly Learning Platform at O'Reilly.com. That's O'Reilly.com. We live in a world focused on ROI, KPIs, and EBITDA. At O'Reilly, we measure success a little bit differently. We measure it in bugs conquered, code releases that go out without a hitch, and that little nugget of sage advice that helps make the impossible suddenly possible. We see success every day in our 2.5 million members on the O'Reilly Learning Platform. It's why over 60% of the Fortune 100, along with thousands of smart mid-sized companies and scrappy startups, count on O'Reilly to help their teams learn the tools and technologies that drive real innovation. It's your people who create success. Invest in them and the rest of the numbers fall into place. Someone has to build the future. At O'Reilly, we think it can be you. Request a free demo of the O'Reilly Learning Platform today at O'Reilly.com. That's O'Reilly.com. Butch yeah. was something else, and he's he's sort of my rest in peace, Butch. Absolutely, you are. rest in peace. But let's get back to this whole uh, missing children thing. You know, I, everybody wants to blame. You know, anything that. You know the conspiracies. I'm not going to get into them because we get flagged for things like that in talking about those subjects. But how much of this is monsters, portals, you know, these vanishing where, where the kids vanish... But they, or even not just kids, but people in general. Let me expand it. People in general who vanish and then come back, Steve. What are those people saying when they come back? Are they having a memory of everything that has happened? Or do they have a loss of memory? What's going on? Well, that that's the thing. Like I said, a lot of the, the ones that, that do survive and do come back are kids, usually too young to remember, or they tell some fanciful tale about a teddy bear or a dog or, or something. And a lot of the adults that do survive, they either have no memory of what happened to them or very scant memories, uh, or they don't want to talk about it. They saw something that was unnerving to the point that they're, they don't want to discuss it. Um, and that was what I spoke on in San Francisco at the UFO conference, how there are people that have gone missing and came back, and the ones that do remember and will talk about it, it sounds very similar to what people uh, recall, say, under hypnosis or hypnotic regression about an alien abduction where they were in a different place. There was different people there with them. Sometimes uh, even the, the beings that they describe sound like alien greys. Uh, Bill Melder, the other half of the channel, he went missing for five days in Joshua Tree National Park in California, almost died. At night, he was visited by what he calls shadow people. But when he was describing it to me and telling me the story, it's in our second book of uh, 
National Park Mysteries and Disappearances, sounded to me like alien grays, the, the big head, the, the spindly uh, limbs and, and small trunk. But uh, he said they would they would come up to him at night and like bend down and peer at him. And when he would look up at him, they would scatter away like roach bugs. But these were humanoid figures, like four feet tall or so. So what is that? I mean, Joshua Tree's a weird place. If you've ever been there, there's it's definitely a power spot. One of the guys from the rock band, the Eagles, said Joshua Tree's everybody's power spot, man. But uh, it's it's a strange place. There's some weird energies there. Same with Mount Shasta. All the stuff that's gone on on there: UFOs, Bigfoot, uh, Lemurians, Ascended Masters goes on and on and on. It's almost like a, the ley line type thing like you have in the UK. You can connect these places on a map and kind of see maybe some sort of geomagnetic anomaly that goes there that lends to this. Also, as uh, Dave Politis points out, if you take uh, the clusters of the missing where there's the most missing people and overlay that with a map of the United States uh, cave systems, it matches up. Uh, the east and west coast where there's a lot of caves, particularly in the east, the Appalachians, a lot of cave systems under there. The Mammoth Cave system in Kentucky is one of the biggest people missing from that area. Same thing, middle of the country, not that many people missing, not that many caves. So is it something underground? Is it some weird natural thing that we just don't know anything about? Uh has to do with frequencies. That's another theory that's been put out there is that something can happen to cause you to vibrate at a different frequency where people can't see you or can't hear you. And then the, you're in a different place. I don't know if I buy into that or not, but you know, it makes just as much sense as, as anything else. When you're conjecturing, you can kind of make up your own thing and go along with it and, and see what fits. But again, I mean, there, there are no easy answers and that's, I think that's the fascinating part of it to me. And you can't say, well, it was definitely this or definitely that because sometimes certain cases, it could be any of the above. I mean, some things are obvious and then others, there's just, there's no real determining factor as to you can, it's, it's irreproducible. In other words, there's no scientific explanation for it, but uh, not that we're aware of, not that we know of, not that we can prove. Recently on Missing Persons Mysteries on YouTube, you guys did a show about people who just arrive out of thin air. <laughs> yeah, we kind of mixed it up with that one. Um, now, we're, that's a new series that we're doing. But they're, uh, historically, those tend to have happened a long time ago. Uh, and again, people just suddenly appear. The, the opposite of that. Um, one of the more famous ones was a, a Philippine soldier that uh, just appeared in Mexico City. The last thing he remembered, he was uh, guarding uh, something in Manila where the uh, governor there had just died. And the Philippines was under Spanish rule at the time. They were under Spanish rule for 333 years from uh, the late 1500s up until, I think, the, the late 1800s, early 1900s. So there, there was Spanish language spoke there. Uh, the guards in Mexico City recognized that he was wearing, you know, a different uniform than they were. They questioned him, and all he remembered was he leaned up against a wall to relax and get out of the sun, and then suddenly found himself in Mexico City. You know, what's that all about? How could that happen? Was it? And this was in the 1500s, 1593, I believe. Uh, spontaneous teleportation or something else there. And then several months later, when a ship arrived from the Philippines into to Mexico, 
there were soldiers on it that recognized the man. And it's like, yeah, he went missing. We don't know what happened to him. And here he is. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and uh, now some of those, when we point this out in the video, some of those may be fictional tales. There's one very famous story of a man called Rudolph Fence Sr. who uh, appeared in 1950 in uh, New York City, more or less in the middle of the street, looked bewildered and uh, got run over by a taxi cab and subsequently died. Well, he was dressed with clothing that was about 100 years out of uh, time. Uh, they found uh, a letter in his coat that was written, dated in the 1800s. He had a, a nickel token for a saloon that no longer existed, had a receipt for a livery stable in there in New York that no longer existed, and uh, couldn't find out anything about him. And then allegedly, one of the policemen that was looking into the case uh, found an old phone directory where there was a Rudolph Fence Jr. had been listed at one time. He called the number. Sure enough, an old lady answered who was the widow of Fence Jr., and she said, yes, my husband's father went out for a walk in 18, whatever it was, never came back. Now, again, that may be a fictional tale. People have pinned that one on. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, Jack Finney. I think that writes a lot of uh, time travel stuff. But, you know, who knows? It, it sounds plausible because there are true events like that. It happens. So it's an art imitating life, life imitating art. But uh, that's that's proven to be a popular series. We just came out with a part two of that. Uh, the first one's had uh, just under 400,000 views. And then the new one's been out two days, and it's already had like 100,000 views. So people are digging it. People enjoy it. And it is kind of a nice step away from the missing persons. So that's one of the things in these cases, especially the ones with uh, no resolution where nothing's ever found, and particularly children, that really gets to me. I'm empathic to a degree. And there's been times when I'm doing a story about a missing child that I, I honestly have to stop and compose myself before I can continue narrating because it, it gets under your skin. So sometimes we'll do something that's just fun like that where, you know, somebody showed up out of nowhere or the listener stories or we'll do cryptid stories of Sandy lives in the Four Corners area of New Mexico. And she just recently did a video called uh, or about the uh, infamous Route 666 right. through the area there, the skinwalkers and an experience she had there and some other people's experience. So occasionally we'll throw in in some of the woo there just to to kind of get away from the darkness of uh, the missing you kids and things like that. You have to. You know, I, I want to ask you, as we got about 90 seconds left, Steve, and in hour number two, I want to get to some real strange missing cases that you've covered on Missing Persons Mysteries. We'll take some audience questions as well. But how do you not find yourself getting emotionally involved with a lot of these stories? Well, that's just it. I, I do. There's certain ones uh, that just will always haunt me. Uh, Caleb Smith is one. Uh, now, he was found, but he was found deceased. Uh, he had disappeared from a truck stop in Georgia, was found um, five miles away. Now, this is in the wintertime. It gets cold in northern Georgia. Found uh, five miles away without any clothes on, uh, dead in a pond. He didn't drown. It was like he'd been placed in a pond. Uh, it was in a marshy area, yet his feet were pristine. And uh, that one just, uh, his mother, we interviewed her on the show, and she actually sent me the crime scene photo 
of the kid in the pond. And I mean, he was in his twenties, but that's, I'll never get that out of my head. And just, uh, April, if you're listening to, I love you, <laughs> but, uh, just, you know, to be able to talk to the parent and understand the absolute hell that they go through, you know, that helps you put a new perspective on it too, because there, I can't imagine there's anything worse than a parent outliving a child, but for that child to disappear and either be found deceased or even worse to not be found at all, to not have any closure, to not know if they're, they're living or dead. We talked about um, Dennis Martin's father. Uh, they would interview him on the news every year on the anniversary of the disappearance. And he would say, you know, I keep one day, I hope to hear a knock at the door and there'll be a, a, a handsome young man there. And I said, can I help you? And he'll say, dad, it's me. It's Dennis. I've come home. Now, Dennis has been missing 52 years, I think, now. Never happened. His father passed away on Halloween a few years ago. No closure whatsoever. That's so I sad. We have the same thing up here with case with Michael Dunahy on Vancouver Island. Disappeared as a five-year-old at a park just outside of Victoria. Steve Stockton is here from Missing Persons Mysteries. More mysteries we're going to cover in hour number two with Steve. We'll take some of your questions as well if you're in one of our chat rooms. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. All right, we're clear, Steve. We're going to let uh, Dirty Filth take over here. For just a, okay, a I'm going to step seconds. away for just a moment. How long? How long is the break? We got about six minutes, dude. Six minutes. Okay, I'll be right back. Dirty filth, you got the way, man. It's all yours. This is so much better than your chair, Dave. I can tell you that much. Yes, it is.
<clears throat> How you doing, dirty filth? Oh, I'm just drawing, drawing car- I'm not drawing cartoons. I'm painting cartoons, actually. So if, it's, if I was say I was drawing cartoons, I'd be lying. And right. That would be acceptable. So I'm painting cartoons. I'm having a good time, Dave. I love it. Awesome. Our audience loves it, too, man. Well, I double dared bring you back on Friday, too, as well. All right. Let's say hello uh, to everyone who has come on in here. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. He'll be back later on. Margie O looking lovely tonight. And there's the stunning Jessica S. And who else is joining us here in the chat room? Let's take a look here. Eddie Petch, good to see you back. Welcome to SOR Chat. Unroped Nope, welcome back to SOR. And who else do we have here? Mr. Catfish, nice to have you here. <clears throat> Stunning Pat Smith, Pam Smith, welcome. And I think we're all caught up there. I want to say thank you to our super chatters tonight, who are Dennis, Lala, Cat Chaser, Donnie, Ghost Dragon, Science Bob, and Big Dog. Very much appreciate the love and support. Hey, Dave Brown, how you doing, buddy? Stunning Steph Dickey. She hasn't been here in a couple of weeks. We're glad to have her back. And Jazzy Small, welcome. Uh, we're going to get going here in about uh, 10 seconds. Remember, the Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do. Thank you to all the veterans who are tuned on in. You can also shop at our Spaced Out Radio store on our website. Here we go. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Yale. Yale is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Steve Stockton from Missing Persons Mysteries on YouTube. Over 205,000 subscribers to this wonderful channel where they tell the mysteries of people who vanish, who reappear, who disappear for good. And if you want to get freaked out and hear some true stories, this is the channel to subscribe to. Steve, welcome back. Thanks, Dave. Out of all the mysteries that you have seen, there are a few that will probably stick out with you, like the Dennis Barton case or other cases along those lines. And we always tend to have a bigger heart when it's children or children with autism or some sort of handicap when that happens. But every now and again, Steve, there are people who just 
vanish. Guys going out to a pub or, or ladies going out to a lounge for a drink and, and one of them says, hey, I'm, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Never to be seen again. They're not caught on camera. Nothing happens. What is going on here with people who just vanish in the middle of a town or city? Well, now there's there's a lot of theories on that too. We've got a video we did. It's a not a 45-minute documentary called The Smiley Face Killer Theory. And that puts forth... Uh, I can't remember. There were two men that uh, wrote about that. Ted Gunderson, ex-FBI agent, was one of them. Uh, they they claim that it's some sort of group of serial killers that are coordinated in their efforts that go out and take these people and then dispose of them. Like you were talking about, the guy seen on surveillance camera going into a pub. There's never any footage of him coming out. Where did he go? Well, maybe they'll find him a couple of weeks later, usually in a body of water that's nearby to where he disappeared but uh, not from drowning. And uh, maybe he's missing two weeks, but he's only been in the water a couple of days. Or was he those other 12 days? That's, I mean, again, it's just a theory, and it's pretty far-fetched. I mean, some of it you really have to reach and suspend disbelief, but you can kind of see it happening. Uh, another place that happens, uh, Manchester in the U.K., uh, there's canals there in the city. They have uh, what they locally call the pusher, they, they find people in the canals and they claim that somebody's pushing them in the canal. But if you've ever been to the UK, request a free demo of the O'Reilly learning platform at O'Reilly.com. That's O'Reilly.com at O'Reilly. We measure success in code releases that go out without a hitch careers grown and that little nugget of sage advice that helps make the impossible suddenly possible. Request a free demo of the O'Reilly learning platform at O'Reilly.com is more uh, CCTV there than there is in Las Vegas. There's more cameras in, in England than there are any place that I've ever been. So how could you not have footage if it's somebody just going around for, for fun, pushing people into the water? I mean, demented fun, obviously, but again, uh, there, there are no easy answers, and it's, it's common uh, both male and female. There's a, a particular male subset there tend to be in their 20s, tend to be college students. It happens uh, in a bar on or near campus, close to a body of water. But it's it's all over the country. It's just not in one particular area. And um, there are women that go missing under the same circumstances. We covered uh, a young girl that went missing from, I um, can't remember the city in South Carolina. Her name was Dale uh, Doxley. And kind of the same circumstances. She'd been to a U2 concert. Uh, went to a bar with some friends, got separated, and uh, that was it. She disappeared. Where'd she go? Obviously, they think somebody took her, that it wasn't anything mysterious. And uh, then there's there's other cases where people have um, called a, like a, a friend, a wife, or a parent, and said, you know, I'm lost. Can you come and pick me up? And then they go to pick them up. They can't find them. There was one famously where a guy was outside a stadium, called his girlfriend to pick him up. She was literally around the corner. She drives around the corner. He's not there. She gets out and kind of starts looking for him, finds a cell phone, smashed to pieces, no sign of him. Uh, another one, a guy called his parents. He was lost. He had uh, ran his car off the road, was walking on a, a certain direction, on a certain road, told him where he was, what he could see. Uh, I think in that case, they, they found him. I don't think they found him. They didn't find him. But there was another guy, similar story, same thing, but he was found deceased. 
And then I can't remember the gentleman's name, but there's one where um, he had called his wife and left a voicemail. And it sounds like something is happening to him. Sounds like he's, he's being held underwater or something while this is going on. I cannot, the, the name escapes me, the name of the case. But that's some of the most chilling audio you'll ever hear. That is incredible. I'm trying to remember the name of that. That is just incredible. Do a lot of these cases, Steve, end up on like 911 phone calls? Uh, there, there are some that do. People that have gone missing or that have been talking to 911. And even some cases saying, you know, there's, there's something after me or I feel, you know, I don't feel safe. There's something weird going on. And then the call drops. They never find them. Now, that, that gets more like into the true crime side of things. We cover a lot of true crime, too. In fact, we're spinning off a true crime channel just for that. A lot of the people that tune in for the missing people don't want to hear the true crime and vice versa. So we're going to do something with that on its own. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. Actually, I was into true crime like back in the 80s and the 90s. I uh, studied a lot of those cases I wrote for... Uh, some of those uh, lurid detective magazines like you used to see in the drugstores, uh, local cases, covered local cases for the paper and stuff. But again, it's it's one of those things like with the missing where true crime, especially with serial killers and things like that, once you start looking into them, they kind of get in your head or you get in theirs. Or as, as Nietzsche wrote, when you peer into the abyss, the abyss also peers into you. So you, you have to, you know, chill out sometimes, go watch... Uh, funny animal videos or do something different to, to get those cobwebs out of your head. But uh, a lot of that stuff, even with human serial killers and things, there's a supernatural element to it. If you look at people like uh, Ted Bundy or you look at Jeffrey Dahmer or Richard Ramirez, the night stalker, who was an avowed Satanist, you know, there's, there's a, a supernatural, there's some woo to all that too. I want to ask you because the easy answer to all of this, Steve is human trafficking and that is a very touchy subject uh, at most of the times that many many of us do not want to talk about or even think about whether it's children women or, or humans in general and unfortunately there is still a pattern of this going on on this planet but how much of this is not human trafficking because when you get people who just seem to vanish humans leave mm. clues you know, I mean, it, it reminds me of Butch Witkowski telling us when he was interviewing, uh, interviewing with us about a good friend of his who works for the FBI who stated that 65,000 Americans a year cannot be accounted for out of the 1.3 million on average that go missing every year. Yeah. yeah, the numbers are just incredible and frightening, and there's a lot more that, that don't go reported, uh, particularly people that are on the fringe, uh, homeless people, street walkers, things like that, that people may never miss. Um, uh, Sandy and I have started a series on missing persons and mysteries called Spirited Away, and it's about the missing and murdered indigenous, which is a huge, huge story. It's the, the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. A lot of those cases don't even get that much coverage on the, the newspaper and the reservation. Like we, we covered the Navajo Nation reservation first, and it might get a mention in the local paper 
but you don't hear anything about that on the news. Up there in Canada where you're at, the Highway of Tears, thousands. There's, I think the last figures I saw, over 5,000 women and girls missing from that area, from the Great Lakes uh, through Canada there. We're, we're working on that next. That's the next in the volume two of the book. The first one's not out yet, but it's just astounding when all those people go missing. Yes. Uh, take, for example, uh, the Gabby Petito case, the girl that went missing. And uh, I think she was in uh, Yosemite. And uh, again, she was an influencer on TikTok and whatnot. But blonde hair, blue eyes, it was international news. You know, the world followed that case. And yet when they were searching for her, they uncovered, I think it was 10 or 11 bodies of other people that they weren't searching for. And uh, it's, it's the same with the missing, murdered indigenous. There's just, they don't have a voice. Nobody cares. Nobody's really looking for them. And a lot of that is trafficking and uh, worse, but it's uh, a lot of it is um, just because the lack of resources and things that those people have. Uh, a lot of those girls tend to hitchhike. I know there in Canada, on Highway of Tears, they have signs up. Warning girls, don't get in a car with a stranger. It could be the last ride you ever take, or it could be a ride into a trafficking situation. Uh, Great Lake area, there's a lot of shipping and things that goes on there, of course. Uh, supposedly, a lot of these women are, are truly spirited away, taken to other countries, and sold into human slavery. It is a, a sad reality of what is going on. And, and the Highway of Tears, believe it or not, literally starts about half a mile behind my house here. Half a mile. And it goes straight up to northern British Columbia. And that area, they feel that it's not just one person, that it, there is a multiple amount of truckers and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, citizens who have just decided to go off the grid who have taken these young ladies. But there's also, yeah. in talking to a number of First Nations people about the Highway of Tears, Steve, that they believe maybe as high as 20% of those women who went missing have been taken as Sasquatch wives. Mm -hmm. what, you I've, know, I've heard that theory too. You have. And, uh, it's, that they're, they're, they're creating hybrids, that they need that uh, human blood to, to carry on their race and apparently make it stronger or at least make it different. That's uh, I've heard that down here in the States too, that uh, a lot of these cases, and that's why, the people that are chosen are chosen strong, healthy, smart people. A lot of marathoners go missing. A lot of people that are excellent outdoorsmen and mountaineers and, you know, otherwise people that uh, don't have any problems, don't have any health problems or anything wrong with them. So right. you'd, you'd think with missing persons, it would be more of a cross-section, a little bit of everybody. But, it again, those factors, it tends to, to add up more of a certain type of people or a certain – uh, socioeconomic uh, level than others. I want to ask you, before we get to some audience questions here, are there any patterns that you have noticed through Missing Persons Mysteries that have evolved around a number of these cases? You mentioned with children that autism is one and wearing red is one, but, but what about age category? I mean, do we see a lot of senior citizens go, go missing? Do we see a lot of a certain race go missing like what kind of patterns have you noticed uh it's predominantly caucasian uh number one and we've had people ask us how come you never cover uh 
people of color that go missing. Well, not that many go missing from the national forest. I've, I saw some figures the other day. The percentage is very, very small. Now, you do have people of color that go missing in urban areas a lot. But again, that's kind of not the same thing as far as what we're looking into. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe it is. Usually that's human perpetrated violence or uh, gang activity or things like that. It's why people go missing in an urban setting. But uh, I think that people can go missing anywhere, anytime. But there's just something about these woods cases, the forests, the national parks and things that makes it extra creepy. Uh, there are a lot of seniors that go missing. In fact, some of them even wonder, you know, what was this person even doing out in the woods? Uh, people in their 80s and 90s and things. But, you know, then again, you hear, I read of a lady not too long ago that was, I think she's in her late 80s and had through hiked uh, the Appalachian Trail all 2000 something miles of it. So, you know, just because people are old doesn't mean they can't get around and, and do things. They just do it slower or maybe more cautiously. Maybe they've learned something in all those years they've got on the rest of us. But, uh, yeah, like I said, there are a lot of similarities, but then there's a lot of cases that just don't fit any pattern. So that's why it's so hard to pick out and say, well, this is this and this is that. But, again, I don't discount anything. From the Fay to Sasquatch to aliens to our government, that that's another popular theory that uh, our government either takes these people or allows them to be taken for um, experimental purposes. And again, those I think tend to be the ones that are that are fit, that are healthy. Uh, a lot of men, athletic men in their twenties, seem to go missing. Uh, and that's true with like the, the bars that we were talking about and in and uh, outdoor settings, like Crater Lake here in Oregon. There's I don't know how many missing young men from there. It all kind of fit the same age pattern, uh, the same uh, athletic ability and uh, body types and things like that. So some of them, it appears that whatever or whoever is taking is very selective. And then other people just almost seems to be at random. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And let's get to a couple of audience uh, questions here, if you don't mind. Let's start off with Jonathan in the United Kingdom. And good morning to you, Jonathan. Thank you for joining us once again, my friend. He's very connected in the UFO and experiential world. Great, great guy of knowledge. He asks, Steve, do people step through to another dimension? Has anyone ever watched someone vanish right in front of them? Now, that happens, and it is kind of rare. <clears throat> Excuse me. It tends to happen out of sight, like somebody will round a, a curve in the trail. People right behind them see them go around the curve, and then they're not there. But there have been people that have vanished and that have likewise appeared in front of people. Uh, I covered a story recently where a guy was hiking. I think this was in a state park, and uh, he kind of glanced behind him, noticed a woman that just suddenly appeared out of nowhere, and was moving toward them at a very, very rapid pace, but the, her walking was at a much slower rate. He said it was like somebody on one of those uh, people movers at the airport where the ground was moving her along, but she was just barely walking, and suddenly she was right up on him. He turned around and looked at her, and it almost sounded like a, some of the old uh, men in black encounters. She was impeccably draft, dressed. He said that... Uh, I think the jacket she had on was red and said, it's like it didn't even have any shading. It was like it was artificial. And uh, she spoke in odd metered sentences. And uh, 
then he turned around after he had kind of said, you know, what are you doing coming up on us like that? Said something to his girlfriend, turned back in time to just see the lady just gone. So, you know, what on earth was that? It's like sometimes whatever it is out there that's planning to take us or maybe uh, doing a reconnaissance mission, you know, gets caught. Um, also reminds me of uh, the famous story on Mount Shasta about robot granny. Everybody loves that when the little boy went missing. Uh, he was only gone for a few hours, but uh, they found him sitting alongside the trail in a place they'd already searched and uh, glad to have him back and everything. Well, a few weeks later, he, he talks, he's talking to his grandma and he said, it's his maternal or his maternal grandma. He says, I don't like the other grandma. She thought he meant his maternal grandmother. And she said, Oh, what did grandma so-and-so do? And he said, no, not that grandma. The one that looks like you, but that's not you. That's the robot. And she's like, what on earth are you talking about? And he said, well, do you remember when we were in the woods and I was gone and you couldn't find me? He's like, well, I thought I saw you. I went up to you. You took me to a cave. Uh, and inside this cave, he talked about seeing um, backpacks and weapons and things like that with dust and cobwebs on them. And even sort of hinted at people that were in a suspended state of animation. And uh, then this, he figured out that this wasn't his grandma at all, but a robot replica of her. And she tried to get him to defecate on a piece of paper. He wouldn't do it. She got angry at him and said, well, you're not cooperating. I'm just going to take you back, put you on the trail. Stay here. Somebody will find you. So the woman's just blown away. This kid's like only three or four years old uh, and you know, didn't have the, the real uh, capability of making up such a wild tale. She called her son and said, where's your kid getting all this? And the son, son said, yeah, he was telling me that same story too. But then she thought back, she had been camping in the same area on Mount Shasta several months prior. Uh, heard a noise outside the tent. Uh, the only thing she remembered when she looked out was seeing red eyes in the distance. Next thing she knows it's daylight. She wakes up on her face in the dirt outside the tent and later found that she had a puncture wound in the back of her neck. So, did something attack her, take uh, spinal fluid or something out of her and create this clone that the little boy saw in the cave on Mount Shasta? Just, again, it boggles the mind. I spent some time up on Mount Shasta on the way to the uh, UFO conference there in San Francisco. I spent a couple of days in Shasta, and there's some weird, weird energy up there. I'm going back uh, later in the fall. Really looking forward to it, and I would notice I would we stayed in the cabin there. The whole place was isolated. It was the off season. I uh, hardly saw anybody at all around where we were. But I'd go out to smoke, and uh, I feel like I was being watched. And I'd turn around, and here's this mountain looming up behind me. Again, when you peer into the abyss, that mountain was watching me, David. It, it had its eyes on me, and I know some people that live in the area. And they said, "Yeah, it's it does that. It it'll give you that feeling." like you're being watched. Now, the only thing I saw up there, other than some bear tracks around the cabin in the, the light snow there, uh, was uh, there were some flashes of light up on the mountain. It looked similar to lightning, but there was no clouds or anything. It was on the mountain. So don't know what that was all about. But again, it's one of those infamous fabled places as far as UFOs and uh, two of the most incredible Bigfoot I've ever stories I've ever heard came from Mount Shasta. A woman was camping up there in the, was in the 19, early 1960s and saw a female Bigfoot giving birth 
on a slope there in Mount Shasta. Well, then about a year later, another woman had no relation, didn't know this lady. She observed a female Sasquatch uh, breastfeeding a baby on the same area of Shasta. So that, that kind of makes sense. Those two stories fit. The lady saw her giving birth the next year. Another lady saw her breastfeeding the infant. So, and there's a lot of people go missing up there, whether the UFOs get them or Sasquatch takes them for breeding purposes or food or, or what have you. Just anywhere you go in the outdoors, be careful, be aware of your surroundings. Look up. You'd be surprised how many people don't look up. Uh, that's something I always do. Now, don't look up all the time or you'll step on a snake or fall in a hole or walk off a bluff. But I've actually tested that theory. I went hiking with some friends one time. I went ahead of them, climbed a tree, and watched them walk past, and uh, they never saw me. Nobody ever looked up. And after they all passed, I climbed down, caught up with them, and they're like, where'd you go? You were ahead of us. So be, be aware of your surroundings. Be prepared. Be careful out there. Watch your six, as they say. Good advice, Steve. And we got Steve Stockton for another half hour here on Spaced Out Radio for Missing Persons Mysteries on YouTube, a channel with over 205,000 subscribers, people wanting to know these true stories of people who just vanish and disappear, never to be seen again, or found and really have no clue where they went. It's all on YouTube as well as Steve's other channel, 13 Past Midnight. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Sounded good tonight, buddy. Oh, thanks. I'm trying to tell some different stuff than I've I've told when I've been on here before, but some of these tales are just so classic and so iconic in the field, and there's probably people that, that haven't heard them yet. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but, uh, I, and it's weird how many time. of them are intertwined. Mm-hmm. Just uh, fascinating, fascinating stuff. And I uh, was up on uh, Mount Rainier recently. A lot of missing people up there. Uh, shot an intro and outro for our Mount Rainier video on camera. People loved it. And I didn't think about that because, you know, I used to do live shows on Missing Persons and Mysteries. I had a couple of talk yeah. shows on there that we did away with because of the, they were hurting the algorithm. But it was a lot of time, first time a lot of people had seen me. So I'm going to be doing more stuff on camera. Um, in about a week or so, Sandy and I are going up to Olympic National Park and a national forest. Also in Washington State, a lot of missing people up there. And also some, some other scary stuff. There's rumors of uh, ritual activity, uh, occult activity, uh, satanic stuff up there. So that's going to be interesting. Then going to come on around, kind of circumvent Olympic National Park, go to Port Angeles and um, Port Townsend, not too far from your neck of the woods there. It's just across the the water there. Actually, I think I can take a ferry over to uh, BC there. But um, we're going to come on around, come down to uh, Bainbridge Island, cross the bridge to get there and take a ferry over to Seattle, cut through Seattle, go back to Yakima, and then home that way because we had such a good time in Yakima last time. Jamie, when I come through uh, Seattle, if you and your mom are available around, we'd like to meet up again. I had a little meet and greet there in Yakima at Northtown Coffee. Had, uh, I don't know, seven or eight people show up, gave them hats and books and stickers, and uh Jamie Bailey there in the chat, her and her mom showed up. We live in a world focused on ROI, KPIs, and EBITDA. 
At O'Reilly, we measure success a little bit differently. We measure it in code releases that go out without a hitch, careers grown, and that little nugget of sage advice that helps make the impossible suddenly possible. It's your people who create success. Invest in them and the rest of the numbers fall in place. Request a free demo of the O'Reilly Learning Platform at O'Reilly.com. That's O'Reilly.com. At O'Reilly, we measure success in code releases that go out without a hitch, careers grown, and that little nugget of sage advice that helps make the impossible suddenly possible. Request a free demo of the O'Reilly Learning Platform at O'Reilly.com. They actually went out to dinner with us afterwards. And uh, the girl that uh, caught my hair there, shout out to Lily at uh, Custom Clean Cuts. If she's listening tonight, she is a master barber. Did a great job on me. I'm going to go back and and let her trim me up again. Uh, She showed up at the meet and greet. She's a a fan of the channel now. It's like a lot of people don't have any idea of this stuff that that even happens or goes on. And then they stumble across our channel. They're just blown away. There was somebody commented there earlier, Annie O, I think, that uh, she went over to subscribe to the channel. And it's like, wow, you know, I know what I'm going to be doing this weekend now. And it it is. It's Even if I didn't talk about it all the time, I love listening to these cases. I love researching these cases and reading about them and uh, pondering. I'm, I'm an insomniac. And this is that's the kind of stuff that runs through my head when I can't sleep. Because where are these people? What's happening to them? And weighing all the possibilities. That's another thing. A lot of our listeners, uh, people that have uh, insomnia like me, people with chronic pain, PTSD, fibromyalgia, they say my voice is relaxing and it helps them sleep. And uh, I've had people almost embarrassed to say, you know, I listen to you to go to sleep. I'm sorry. But, hey, you know, if, if my voice helps you, then right on. God bless you. And uh, I don't like the way I sound. I've come to, to tolerate it, but uh, I think I sound like an educated hillbilly, which is exactly what I am. I grew up in East Tennessee, went to the University of Tennessee, but still an old hillbilly. But hey, uh, I, I love your voice. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> I love your voice. Most most people do. Like I said, I don't know what it is, but I'm thankful for it. I'm, I'm blessed in that regard, I guess. But, uh, yeah, the... All those uh, subscribers, I mean, that's just amazing. And the last 28 days, we've had 2.7 million views. And, you know, that's just, that's almost frightening when I stop and think, you know, over two and a half million people have listened to me tell a story. And that that, (laughs) that makes me break out in a sweat, you know. But when I'm recording it, just like sitting here talking to you. And not that I don't acknowledge the audience. I'm watching the comments over here. But you just kind of, you got to put that out of your mind or it'll, It'll oh, scare yeah. you to death, you know, when uh, you're speaking in front of that many people if you, if you Steve, let it get to you. I, I, now, I when I spoke at the UFO conference in San Francisco, yeah. I was scared crapless. <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever spoke in front of that many people live. I've done it, you know, via yes. Zoom and things, and, of course, on my channel. But there was, what, a couple hundred people there, two or three hundred people, whatever it was? Yeah. Well, there was Good a- crowd, anyway. But, you know, that's I, – I think I did okay. I didn't get booed. They laughed at the right times. They uh, ooh nod at the right times. And then I've signed up to do some more. I'm going to be at the Dogman slash Cryptid Conference in Paris, Tennessee in August. And then in uh, October, I'm going to be at the Pacific Northwest True Crime Festival in uh, Auburn, Washington. Uh, the event center there on the campus right. of Green River College. Green River Killer, that area where I... Yeah. That we got, guy. We got, we got ten seconds, my friend. 
I'm going to get you to all hold right. on right there. Thank you to all of our new subscribers tonight. Big Dog, Bob, Ghost Dragon, Donnie, Cat Chaser, Lala, and Dennis for the Super Chats. Here we go. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do us the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, Steve Stockton is here. He is the voice behind Missing Person Mysteries, one of the most popular channels on YouTube where people tell their stories, or Steve tells the stories of people, rather, who just vanish into thin air, and under strange circumstances. Steve, thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. It's always a blessing. Yeah, it's so much fun when you're Always here. a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah. I, I watch your show just about every night, even if I don't participate in the chat. I'm listening. You have some just great guests, people that, you know, like, wow, where did they find this person or that person? It's just, it's amazing. And, and so that's it's an honor to me to be on here. Well, you know, I mean, it, you're only as good as the team behind you, and you have an oh, incredible absolutely. team. Uh, you and Bill there have an incredible team of writers and and people who are helping you research. We have the same thing, like Dirty Filth, who's doing the art down below on our YouTube channel. You know, He's doing a great job, by the way. I, yes. I appreciate that. I've been watching him there. Uh, Mr. Mulder wanted to say hi to everybody. He's got his own fans. We even thought about letting him have his own YouTube channel, putting a GoPro on the collar, just turn him loose and see what he comes what up with. He travels talk. with me. Uh, he went to San Francisco. He went to Mount Shasta. He went to to Washington. Going to go back with us this next trip. So he's he's out there. He likes to solve mysteries too. Don't blame the pup. I don't blame the <laughs> pup at all. But you know, like you have to have a good team around you, Steve, in order to make these stories happen. How do you guys vet your stories to make sure they are completely truthful? Because that's one thing I know about your channel. You're not like creepy pasta channels where you're making up spooky stories as you go. Yeah. Uh, our writers are the best. We verify everything, every story submitted to us. It has sources and we check those sources. Um, and again, you're only as good as your sources. So if it's the sources are false, then we're telling false information. But usually if you can verify it through several sources, then you can pretty much bet that it's it's a good tale. Now, like on the, the strange appearances, some of those may be works of fiction. And we noted that in there, that that's been said before. So we're not trying to pass it off as something that it's not. And, and I even say as a caveat in the beginning of this, it's up to you to decide what you personally believe. And again, it's that way with anything, especially with the listener stories. So we've had people, you know, the, the haters in the comments, like, you know, that's made up, that's embellished. Nobody writes that good on their own personal encounters. Well, you don't know what that person does for a living that had these encounters. 
So again, with all the weird stuff I've seen and experienced in my life, I've had enough to fill up one book, My Strange World, and I've got enough to do another book. I don't discount anything just based on what I've personally seen and experienced. So uh, I, I tend to err on the side of the caution. We've only had a couple of stories that I just thought, no, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to put that in there. And it was a guy that uh, claimed to have jumped on the back of an elk and rode it through the woods. Yeah, I'm very suspicious of that. Picture it didn't happen, as they say. And I, I can't remember what the other ones were. I think it was somebody just trying to troll me, some, trying to write the most outlandish thing they could and see if I would repeat it. And, and that one didn't pass the smell test. But, you know, Ghost, uh, Glimmer Man, Black-Eyed Kids, uh, UFOs, a little bit of everything. Uh, and it's amazing that these people, and then that's, what that's for. It's a place where people can come and tell their story and not worry about judgment or being made to feel like they're crazy or being made fun of or anything. But again, you know, it's, it's up to the listener to decide in all of it, you know, what's your opinion, what you believe. We're not trying to, to force an opinion. We have no agenda. We're not trying to do just missing 411 stories that fit a particular spooky narrative uh, to sell books and stuff. We'll cover any missing person's case. Uh, no, no missing person is any more or less important than any other missing person. And, and being able to keep that, you know, in mind that, again, our goal is if we can bring one person home or, you know, the, the worst possible outcome, give one family closure of knowing what happened, then we've done our job. And, you know, just it's spread awareness, get the face and the name and the story out there. Uh and we've had people, we don't have any problem with other people that do these kind of stories, but sometimes their fans get a little overzealous. We've had people come in and say, you're stealing so-and-so's stories. You know, he did this first or he did that or you're copying him. No, it's not like that at all. So we've got a staff. We've got like a dozen people that work on the show. We've got writers. We've got researchers. We've got editors. Um and we get our information just the same as everybody else gets theirs. Uh, FOIAs, uh, police reports, news reports. Uh, you know, it's it's all public domain information. Nobody owns the missing. The the real heroes here, the people that really uh, need to be celebrated, are the families of the missing, the ones that mortgage their house to uh, finance one more search or to print another couple hundred thousand flyers or leaflets. You know, if anybody were going to copyright these stories, I think it should be those people. But uh, we're, we're boosting the signal. We're all about getting the names and faces out there. And the sad part about it is there's just so many we can't keep up. Uh, last month, we decided just to see if we could do it, put out a video every single day. We did that for the whole month. We might have missed one or two days. And again, we haven't scratched the surface. It's a, a true iceberg. You know, there's this missing people up here, the famous cases, the ones you hear about, the the popular ones. But then as that spreads out and goes underwater, it's huge. There's, like you said, out of all those thousands and thousands that go missing every year, there's a huge percent that are never accounted for. And uh, we want to find those people, bring them home, find their remains. If it's that type of situation, something, you know, it's just, it's, it's a personal thing. It's uh a calling, literally, I think that's been laid on me. Don't don't want to get all uh, religious here and have church, but I think this was was put on me. This is what I was meant to do. I found my niche. I'm helping people. I'm informing people, 
Uh, I've got a voice that people like to listen to for whatever reason. If you listen to go to sleep, I don't mind. I've put myself to sleep before editing audio. So can be a relaxing voice. But uh, again, 205,000 subscribers. We're on our way to a million. But thank you to each and every one of you here. That's one of my subscribers. And please be sure and hit the thumbs up and subscribe to Dave's channel. Dave, you know, does his part. He gives us a platform to come and share on his platform and uh, let us come and talk and, and spread the word. I, I love to evangelize for the channel and for the missing. I want to be the voice. It's what I really enjoy about these uh, missing murdered indigenous. They don't have a lot of voices. They don't have a Very choice. True. And, uh, Really excited about that project. In fact, that's what we're we're going to speak about at the the True Crime Festival in uh, Auburn. Is the missing and murder? We're putting together a presentation about that. A lot of people have no clue that there's that many. Like I said, it's it's the other day something I checked just in that one area up there. Over five thousand women and girls missing, unaccounted for. And uh, like you said, a lot of that may be serial killers or people up to no good. But it's, you know, it's sadly, it's easy pickings. It's people that, that won't be missed for a while, if ever. Um, the, the marginalized, the people that are disenfranchised uh, from, from homeless people to teenage runaways to uh, drug addicts to street workers, the throwaways, the people that nobody cares about. There's a lot of veterans out there on the street. And, you know, that just, that breaks my heart that there's somebody that fought for my freedom that's out there living under an underpass and this may be cold and hungry. And just that's, we, we don't make a big deal about it, but we give back a lot. Um, about 30% of the revenue that we generate, it goes back to families of the missing or for one cause or another, but it's, it's all done anonymously. We're not looking for any uh, platitudes or laurels or anything like that. We just want to be a part of because that old saying, if you're not part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. Took that to heart. I want to be part of the solution. I don't blame you. Let's get to some audience questions here. Very interesting one from Jonathan here over in the UK. Have people gone missing for years? And when they come back, have they aged? Well, no, there's been some cases like that where people have gone missing and aged somewhat. I'm not talking like a, a Rip Van Winkle type thing where they had a long beard and it aged, you know, 20 years. But there are people that have talked about how time passed differently wherever they were, and it can be different for different people. Uh, there was a little boy that went missing in South Africa that uh, thought he'd only been gone a few hours, and uh, when he came back, it had been months that he had been disappeared. He hadn't aged. He, for, the, for a child, you know, several months, they're going to grow quite a bit change their hair will grow something to get taller didn't happen and then there have been other people that uh claimed that they were missing for a long long time they saw the sun rise and set several times yet when they did come back when they were found then in reality only been gone a few hours so how do you even explain that i mean people say well there's maybe there's something some natural spore or mushroom or plant out there that they brushed up against and they breathe the dust off of it and they're hallucinating. I, I don't, I don't know that that's a stretch to me. I mean, there, there may be some sort of national rational natural explanation, but some cases I don't think so. Interesting. Very, very good answer. Thank you for that. Let's go to, uh, 
let's see here. Magnus had a question from uh, last hour. He's like, uh, Rick Doty, the former spy, hinted in an interview that he knows what's taking people. Do you have any comment on this? Well, my comment is, Rick, if you do, enlighten the rest of us. Now, if he truly does know and it's something he's not supposed to talk about, he probably won't talk about it for fear of reprisal, for fear of his own life. But uh, maybe he can find a way to do it anonymously. Um, but again, I don't think it's just any one particular thing. And I'd love to know what his theory is, what he thinks it is, and just to see how it fits in. The thing to me, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but the thing to me that fits everything is the Fae theory. If you think about it, there's been stories of the Fae, particularly in the Celtic countries, where they maybe encountered little men that came from the sky in a horseless carriage that were they thought they were fairies. Well, that's that's a UFO story. Or there were types of the Fae that are big and hairy. That's a Sasquatch. And there's, when you start delving into that, where it's almost like a religion for these people, there are certain tribes and certain types of the Fae, the fairy folk, and they're not these little Tinkerbell Disney-fied things that everybody thinks of as a fairy. Some of them are huge, like elementals and things. They're mean. They're hateful. They're spiteful. Uh, they love to, to mistreat humans. There's only like one tribe of uh, fairies that are, are helpful to humans. I think it's pixies. And even then, they expect something in return. But if you look at it in the framework of the Fae, and I know people that absolutely believe 100% in UFOs and absolutely believe 100% in Bigfoot. But if you mention the Fae theory, they'll laugh at you. But again, all this kind of fits under the Fae. The Fae were rumored to steal children. That was, you know, going back to the 15, 16, 1700s. Uh, and they needed the stock for breeding purposes because being fairies, being smaller, some of them, they have a different blood. They're weaker. They need the human blood to survive. Some of those races do. Uh, the berry fields where people often go missing in or near the fairies, that's not only their food, but also their places where they, they hang out and have their revels and even uh, do their mating. So you're, you're blocking some uh, fairy from getting his groove on if you're in the berry patch. Uh, traditionally, if you look back in those old books about the fairies, they despise the color red. So there you go, people wearing red. You anger the fairies, you go missing. Uh, the Cherokee have legends about the little people that the, uh, the, the fairy lanterns, the spook lights that you see in the Smokies, uh, that's, that covers those again. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but that's the one sort of woo part that kind of ties it all together. That ties together UFOs, that ties together Bigfoot, that ties together the missing, uh, Melissa, Nicole, my favorite cryptid to research. I like the one-offs. I like the things that were only seen maybe once uh, and then never seen again. To me, those are the most, fasc most fascinating. Uh, the Flatwoods Monster. Uh, Mothman to a degree, although he was seen a few times. Uh, the Dover Demon. That's another. He was seen on like two consecutive nights by two different groups of people. Never seen again. That one just fascinates the you know what out of me. Uh, because of the ones that, that are seen often or uh, a location that's known to be haunted that where a lot of people see stuff. I mean, that to me is fascinating too, but I like the ones where it just appeared one time and you think, what happened? You know, did this thing, did it fall out of a portal or come through out of another dimension? It showed up and suddenly people see it, people are chasing it. 
Um, I've had people say that the Flatwood Monster was a fallen angel. This thing was wearing like a metallic dress and had a big halo, ace of spades looking thing behind it. That's the drawings of that are one of the most frightening things I've ever seen. I would want to encounter it in the woods or anywhere for that matter. So uh, those those in particular. And uh, almost all those are uh, in or near Appalachia. Um, Dover, Delaware, or Dover, uh, is it Massachusetts? Dover, it's not Dover, Delaware, but the other Dover. Um, and I've been there, I should know. Uh, that's near the Appalachian Trail. So it all kind of connects together. Very true. Hey, Steve, we got a, a few more questions here that we want to get through, and we only got about sure. seven minutes left. Let's go to Donna here. What's your thoughts on black eyed kids? Well, I've actually had a black eyed kids encounter back in the, the late 90s. It, it's a long story, it takes about 20, 25 minutes to tell. That's the most frightened I've ever been, and it's the most irrational fear ever. Um, first time I ever told it in public was on the old Art Bell show. Uh, I was on Art was sick that night. I was on with his producer, Heather Wade. She was taking over the reins, and um, she knew about the story. We're friends in real life, and she goaded me into telling it on the air, and uh, Art called in during one of the many breaks to tell her she was doing a good job, and he also, Steve, I love that black-eyed kid story. So, you know, that's like, wow, Art Bell heard me and loved my story. I just wish I'd got to be on with him when he was alive. Well, we all do. But if you'd like to hear it, there's a channel here on uh, YouTube called Unicorps, like a dead unicorn, Unicorps Tales. One of my friends or some of my people, if you're a mod, drop a link to Tanya's channel, Unicorps Tales. I tell my black-eyed kids encounter in full over there, and it's my favorite telling of it that I've done because she asks me barely any questions and just lets me talk. Like I said, it's about 20, 25 minutes long. All right, let's, uh, Steve, let's go to Gloria here. Steve, have you heard the story of the man that went missing in the woods for a few minutes, his time, uh, and uh, for his missing time? And according to his boss, he had been gone for years. <laughs> yeah, I have heard of, of that one and, and others like it, uh, where, again, time seems to pass differently. Uh, people talk about... Listen, that Ice tea knows iced tea, which is why I get my iced tea at Raising Cane's. We're both fresh all day. Sometimes we're sweet. Sometimes we're unsweet, Jack. So chill out with your favorite iced teas this summer at Raising Cane's. One love. <laughs> it's hurricane season. Flood insurance can help you avoid paying out of pocket for costly damage. It's time to trust your instincts. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. One guy was in a place where the, the sun rose and set several times, but then when he came back, he'd only, or when he was found and came back, whatever happened, uh, he'd only been gone for a few hours. And then I read another account recently of somebody that uh, when they were disappeared, the sun never sat. And uh, they were, they had no, they knew they were gone for quite an amount of time. And in reality, they had been gone quite a time, but they said that the sun never completely sat that it would lower on the horizon, but then it would come right back up. It never, there was never night. It was kind of twilight or full daylight. So, you know, where was that? That's, that's a different dimension or a different timescape or something there though. But uh, that does happen when, when people go missing, time seems to move differently. And again, you know, time, 
time is it's an abstract concept. I mean, the way we measure and things, it's that's not the only way it can be measured. Uh, there are people that have had have been regressed, but some of the ones that I would be most interesting interested in hearing uh, re- hypnotic regression are the ones that don't want to talk about it. And there's probably a good reason for that, like missing my black-eyed kids' stories. When I tell that story, it's like a form of uh, post-traumatic stress. I relive it. You can hear it in my voice. My palm starts sweating. I get kind of nervous. And it's just a lot of that, though. I'm part Cherokee, and uh, the elders of the Cherokee tell you not to talk about things. You can bring it to you. And I don't want those black-eyed kids to come back. People have asked me that. Would you like to see them again? No. <laughs> so that's the most irrational but incredible fear I've ever felt. There was something, I believe, demonic about that. And it wasn't until years later I heard somebody else telling my story that I had compassion for the little girls that I saw before. I was just nothing but contempt and hatred. But it's something about hearing somebody else tell it, all I could think of was that those poor little girls or whatever was controlling them. But I don't even know that it really was two little girls. Uh, if you've ever listened to any of these UFO accounts, Whitley Strieber talks about he saw owls until he was regressed and then realized it was grays. I wonder if, if the black-eyed kids and things like that, if they're, they're kids at all, if instead it's some sort of a demonic entity or some sort of alien entity that can make itself appear how it wants to appear. What is your best uh, assessment? Johnson, yeah, is. my best assessment is, I don't know. I mean, we, we, there's lots of theories out there. Uh, obviously, something is happening to them. I mean, it's it's not, nobody goes missing and says, oh, no, this was a mistake. He wasn't missing. He was just over there. We didn't see him. I mean, there's these people do go missing. Some of them are found. Some of them aren't. Like I said, the ones that come back, sometimes they tell a tale of being in a different place where nothing looked familiar. The trail they were just on no longer exists. So something's happening. And I, and I think the more we delve into it, the closer we are to maybe, maybe understanding it. But again, it's that, that paranormal onion. You, you take off a layer, there's another layer underneath, and that just goes on and on. And I think if you ever get to the middle of the paranormal onion, there's probably going to be another onion in the middle of that one. Cisco Murdoch gave me that analogy. But uh, I believe that. And uh, Middle Earth... I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen some uh, pretty good uh, theories about that and some fairly believable stories. I mean, there's some talented writers out there that uh, have written about there being a, a Middle Earth and that that's why the, the South Pole and the North Pole is so guarded that there's an entrance to Middle Earth there. Supposedly, you can get into it through Mount Shasta. Uh, there's been people that wandered into caves in Mount Shasta, got lost, came out in a, an open place, where the, the sun looked different and where there was uh, lots of plants and, and rivers and things inside the mountain. So who knows? I mean, that's supposedly the Lemurians uh, had a city of gold inside the mountain. And it was in a place where the, the sun also shined inside the uh, native legends for that place. Talk about how it was formed that the, the great spirit in the sky built a fire down there to, to, to warm things up. And uh, I don't know, there, but there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on at Shasta. Can't wait to go back up there to fall in the fall and get some more footage. Steve, but, uh, we have one minute left with you tonight. And I want to say uh, it's a two hours. 
that has absolutely flown on by. And I know in a couple months we'll bring you back on again for more storytelling because that's the way we seem to do it with you. But uh, tell everybody where they can find your YouTube channels and be a part of it. Well, uh, the big one, Missing Persons and Mysteries, um, here on YouTube, come sign up. Uh, you won't be disappointed if you like hearing these kind of stories. Also, 13 Past Midnight, that's like my personal channel, my sandbox. It's only got about 9,000 subscribers. Um, I went live every night over there for uh, over a year, like 370 nights in a row without fail. Kind of taking a break. Uh, Sandy and I still go live on there occasionally, especially when we're on the road. I did a live from uh, Yakima and the meet and greet I had there. Go watch that if you want to. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Steve Stockton 81, Twitter, at Strange and Odd. My books are on uh, Amazon and wherever fine books are sold. They are Strange Things in the Woods, um, My Strange World, and National Park Mysteries and Disappearances, Volume 1, 2, and 3. Got more books coming out, Missing, Murdered, Indigenous, Spirited Away. And then Jim and I wrote a book called uh, Encounters with Evil. Beautiful. 101 True Stories. That's coming out soon. Spaced Out Radio's Hour 3 is next. Stay tuned. I had like five seconds there, dude. So I apologize. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right, brother. I hope your next I book tried does. to cram it all in there. But thanks to, again, all my people that showed up. Thanks to all your people that are here. Of course. We love all you guys. We love you too, um, man. Come come see me over on Missing Persons and Mysteries. Come see me on the road. I'll make an announcement uh, when we go up to Olympic National Park. Uh, we'll do a meet and greet up there, like similar to the one we did in Yakima. But uh, I love all you guys. Again, subscribe to Dave's channel if you haven't already. Uh, hit that thumbs up. Yeah. And uh, share it out on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. Let's see. I think one of the last times I was here, I I broke a viewing record or came close to it or something. I know we had a lot of, a lot of views off that one. So let's do it for Dave again if we can. Well, I appreciate it. And we encourage all of our listeners to, to head on over to your channels and hit subscribe because, Steve, you really are one of the good ones out there. And thank you so much, my friend, for coming back on. And uh, we'll get you booked up for another couple in another couple months here before the end of summer. Sounds good. Always a pleasure, Dave. And again, chat. And uh, Dirty Phil, thanks for the drawing, man. I was mesmerized by what you're doing there. Uh, we'll, make sure, we'll make sure. Thank we'll, you, sir. We'll convince Dirty Phil to send you one sometime. Oh, that'd be oh, great. We'll send you a drawing. Don't worry about it. But, uh, good Just night, all my your, friends. Uh, all right. Uh, take Jamie care, guys. Jamie Bailey and Palmer. Lala, uh, my new bestest buddy there. All my friends, thanks again. All right, Steve. Good night, buddy. Good night, Dave. Thank you. Take care. All right, Dirty Filth, it's all yours. We'll be right back. I'm going to keep myself on mute because I'm listening to music, and it's nice. If I may say one thing, I feel like I'm giving away my secrets by letting you people watch my cartoons while I draw them. So, 
Uh, well, I guess the context is pretty clear. Basically, it's Chupacabra robbing Dave Scott in the desert. <laughs> uh, I'm terrible. Anyways, that was the idea, so that's what I... Pretty blatant now, I mean, good gods. Well, there you go. I'm putting off the most terrible thing in the entire universe for dirty filth. It's lettering. Good gods. Dave, stop me now. I'm just going to sit here and complain about it. It's his own fault. Hi, dirty filth. Hi, Dave. Guess what? I get to do lettering, and it kills me. I despise what? doing lettering more than anything in the entire universe. Well, you look good doing it, though. Yeah. I wonder if we have any listeners out there who are good with websites. And tech stuff let me know in the chat room let me know in the chat room we got 10 seconds here we go everyone would you like to connect with us head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info now back to dave scott and sor third and final hour of spaced out radio is underway thank you so much for taking the time to join us we really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on the beautiful planet we call earth hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around north america and digitally on odyssey radio talk stream live and kpnl all of our archives are free Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do us the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Yale. Yale is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on SOR's Newswire from Shirky Poo. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spacedoutradio and do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, of course. Now, it is time once again where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller has another spooky story for us. 
Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. When I was a boy of just 16 years old, we lived way back up in a hollow in a farmhouse about a mile back into the woods, up a steep gravel road. It was the only house in that hollow. One night, it was winter, my dad woke me up in the wee hours of the night, handed me a 12-gauge single shotgun, three double-op buckshot shells, and a flashlight, and told me to go out and shoot whatever varmint was spooking the pigs. So I got up and quickly pulled on my clothes and boots and went out the back door. I made it as far as the back porch, then froze in my tracks when I saw what was after the pigs. I shined my light onto something right out of a werewolf movie. It was bent over the rails of the pig pen, grabbing at the pigs as they ran back and forth and squealed. When it saw me, it stood up and bared its teeth and growled at me. It was at least seven foot tall, maybe even taller. It had the upper body of a professional bodybuilder. It was covered in black hair and had a head like a huge German police dog. I would never forget those pointy ears and snarling snout. I raised the shotgun holding the flashlight against the barrel and shot it right in the center of its chest. I was about 40 feet away from it and seeing the hair part on its chest where the buckshot hit. The buckshot didn't seem to affect this thing much at all. My sister came out behind me to see what was going on. She had turned on the porch light on her way out. She gasped when she saw the thing. She said, gee, what is it? In a shaky voice. I said, I don't know. Go back in the house. I broke the shotgun down, ejecting the spent shell and dropped another one in the barrel and clicked it shut. The beast went down and snatched up a pig with one hand and with the other hand pushed the pig's head back and I heard a loud pop. It had broken the pig's neck, killing it instantly. The pig went limp, and the beast threw it over its shoulder. Then it bared its much too long teeth at me and growled again. As I raised the barrel of the shotgun towards it, it turned and leaped at least 15 feet in one bounce. It ran towards the tree line. I fired at it, aiming for the center of its back. I think I hit it again but I can't be entirely sure. Then, with another impossible leap, it vanished into the trees. My dad came out and said, What, was it a coyote? I said, Dad, I don't know. I just know that it was big. I don't know what it was, but it got one of our pigs. Dad said, Didn't you hit it with your shot? I said, Yeah, Dad, I hit it with the shot. I think I hit it at least once, but it ran off anyway. I don't know what it was, Dad. My dad said, well, unload the gun, hang it back up, and go back to bed. G was visibly scared as he told this story. He said he and his sister had talked about it at the bus stop the next day. They decided to keep what had happened to themselves as they figured no one would believe them anyway. He told us that we were the first ones he had ever told about the encounter. He swore that every word of it was true. I don't know if this thing... G saw is real or not 
but I do believe that I saw something and shot it. I think it may have been a Bigfoot that threw those small trees and made that god-awful screaming that we heard. I think G may have seen a dogman. When I wrote of my encounter to the BFRO, they called and asked permission and then sent two field investigators to my house within a week of getting the report. They didn't seem to care about anything. They wanted to go back to the spot where we had camped. I took them close and pointed them in the direction, but we would not go any closer than a few miles of that spot. Also, before I end this story, I do need to mention that there was a military presence seen by many who lived up there that year, both on the ground and in helicopters. But anyway, these accounts are entirely true. Thank you for your work, and keep up the fine narrations. Alright, we say thank you to our resident swamp dweller on YouTube. You can find him at youtube.com forward slash swamp dweller reads and hit subscribe on his channel. He has literally thousands of spooky stories to share with you from over the years. Great guy, Swamp Dweller. Hit him on up and check it on out. All right, it is that time once again where we head into the cryptid report from World Bigfoot Radio. Here's Super Duke. Sullivan. Super Duke World World Bigfoot Radio Super Duke. (laughs) Man, I got all tongue tied so excited that you're here, man. How are you? Well, I'll tell you, I'm doing pretty good, partner, and your attempt at doing a Duke imitation last night was uh, very interesting to listen to. Well, now you're trying uh-huh. to try to talk like John Wayne there, but hello, everybody, it's Super Duke here. Let What's that other Duke? tell you a story. Yeah, the other Duke ain't around no more. He got killed by death. Grim Reaper got him. I'm yes. still here. I'm the other Duke. So, yeah, it was interesting listening to your guests tonight because uh, when I was over in Minnesota, I was involved with three different homeless outreach agencies. And one of the things we were trying to do was a head count, how many homeless people actually are there in the state. And that is a ridiculously difficult task because, first of all, you have to figure out where their little camps are. And some of them aren't in camps. They're camping solo somewhere. And then head count them. And some of them are trying to avoid being head counted. They don't want anybody to find them. So trying to get an actual realistic picture on how many people are out there is a real problem. And then you start finding areas where maybe they're camping and they shouldn't be. And you keep hearing reports from the other homeless people that their buddies just disappeared. And they came back and their camp was all torn to pieces and they weren't around and everything was just left there. And stuff like this. And then you start going, uh, you know, if somebody has a drug overdose and they fall off a bridge. Ice tea knows iced tea, which is why I get my iced tea at Raising Cane's. We're both fresh all day. Sometimes we're sweet. Sometimes we're unsweet, Jack. So chill out with your favorite iced teas this summer at Raising Cane's. One love. <laughs> it's hurricane season. Flood insurance can help you avoid paying out of pocket for costly damage. It's time to trust your instincts. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. 
you find their body. If they keel over in front of a bus and get hit, you find their body. If they're attacked by an animal in the woods, we find their body. But they just disappear. It's amazing, isn't it? It's really, really creepy, and it makes you wonder what is going on here. And again, it's like he was talking about earlier. It's the people that are relatively inconsequential to society in general. It's easy to disappear them without much of anybody noticing it. I don't get it, man. I really do not get it. I mean, we we see so much of these people, you know, good people, honest, hardworking people that just vanish. And I don't know what is really going on. I mean, you and I have talked about it. Is it portals? Is it Sasquatch? Is it Gugways? Is it uh, some other cryptid-type creatures? I mean, the answers and possibilities are really endless. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, you can eliminate a certain amount of it just because of, you know, things that could be natural explanations for it. And it's a tiny fraction of them that don't make any damn sense that the people are are talking about here. So just for wilderness disappearances, you've already eliminated hypothermia, being eaten by bears, falling off a cliff, things like that. They're just flat out vanished. And like your guest was saying earlier, sometimes they're in plain sight of somebody in front of them or behind them, and all of a sudden, poof, they're gone. There's no place for them to disappear to. Right. You know, rock field. You're out in a rock field. There's no trees or anything. How do you disappear? Dude, we have so many rock fields around here. And I got to tell you, I get, ever since I learned about this whole rock field thing where people go missing, I am uh-huh. petrified to even drive by them. Petrified. Yeah, stay out of those places. People do actually go disappearing in them. And, and there's... uh. A connection, again, like you brought up earlier, to the Fae and the little people that live in those areas. And a lot of cultures will talk about that. And that's why they stay the heck away from them. Oh, tell me about it. We got you for another 11 and a half minutes, buddy. What do you got for us tonight? Well, we got a little interesting short piece here by the good gentleman Tom Burnett and Bob Riggs from their book, Bigfoot, where they're talking about oddities and the visual perception capabilities of Sasquatch and what might be going on with that. And they say, all of us like to think we live in the real world and see the world as it really is. This notion, however, is illusory. Habit is a big component of perception. To a large extent, we see what we expect to see. And sometimes we can be blind to something we don't expect to see. Experiments have demonstrated that this habit can prevent you from seeing what is literally right in front of your face. And a prime example of that is the first time three-masted ships showed up in South America, and the natives literally couldn't see them for over a day. They were sitting at harbor, and they couldn't see them, even though they were right there in plain sight. So the now-famous experiment originally conducted by university psychology professors Daniel Simmons and Christopher Chabris and described in the book Invisible Gorilla and other ways our intuitions deceive us, illustrates what is known as inattentional blindness. Volunteers tested or shown a short video, less than a minute long, of two teams of people moving to and fro and throwing a basketball around. Test subjects are asked to follow the path of the basketball, whether bounced or thrown through the air, from player to player, and to concentrate on silently counting to themselves only those passes made among people wearing white. Ignoring passes made among people wearing black. Halfway through the video, a female student dressed in a full-body gorilla suit walks among the players, 
stops in the middle of them, beats her chest like a gorilla would, and then walks off, having spent about nine seconds on the screen. Test subjects are first asked how many passes they counted. The correct number is irrelevant. What is amazing is that when asked if they noticed anyone other than the players in the video, about half confessed they did not notice anything and did not see the gorilla at all. The experiment has been conducted many times in different conditions among diverse people and in different countries, all with the same result. About half the participants do not see the gorilla. How could they not see something so obvious? I've taken that. What test. made the gorilla Yeah, what made the gorilla invisible to them when it stood still and looked directly at them? The professors say this error of perception comes from a lack of attention having been paid to the unexpected object. And they conclude, quote, when people devote their attention to a particular area or aspect of their visual world, they tend not to notice unexpected objects. Even when those unexpected objects are salient, potentially important, and appear right where they are looking. In other words, the subjects were concentrating so hard on counting the passes, they were blind to the gorilla right in front of their eyes, unquote. So when one of the authors, an unsuspecting Rob, took the test, he did not see the gorilla. And keep in mind, this is a Bigfoot researcher. However, he was faintly aware of a slight blur moving across the screen, which temporarily interrupted his counting the passes. We naturally take a lot of ribbing from friends and acquaintances who think we are naive and horribly unsophisticated to even entertain the possibility that Bigfoot actually exists. One such friend viewed the video and failed to see the invisible gorilla. At first, the skeptic thought it somehow illustrated the obvious fact that Bigfoot sightings are no more than optical illusions. We were quick to point out to him it's more than likely the exact opposite is the case. The video shows how something as extraordinary as a hairy ape could literally be right in front of you, and there's a 50% chance you wouldn't see it, particularly if your attention was otherwise engaged and you were not expecting to see it. This may help explain why Bigfoot are sometimes visible and sometimes not visible and show how a person's psychological habits can form a blind spot. The fact a mystery creature can vanish seemingly at will, however, implies there's something else at play. It might be a Bigfoot is somehow capable of locating a potential witness's blind spot and hiding in it. And this is a matter of uh, like scientific principle and training for uh, the ninja from Japan. That they were all about knowing where that blind spot was and staying in it all the time. Uh, kind of like the shadow from the, uh, the early cartoons where he could be standing right there and he couldn't see him. Precisely this ability is claimed of expert trackers in various Native American shamanistic traditions and is based on the perception that all creatures are creatures of habit. Ancient Apache scouts, according to wilderness survival expert Tom Brown Jr., for example, had the ability to observe their intended prayer enemies to determine their habitual psychological ruts and whatever were their everyday routines. They would then accordingly position themselves, be so silent and so still, as to stop their brain activity and blend so thoroughly into the background as to become virtually invisible to their victims. The Apache tracker skills Brown, Brown wrote in his book, The Tracker, were judged by how close they could come to their prey before making the kill. The best were said to be able to actually touch the luckless animal or human enemy they were tracking before they could would be even seen by it. Uh, this sort of thing has been reported by some of the native tribes that have contact with and that claim that some of them count coup on humans. They try and get close enough to touch you without you knowing they're there.
So finally, he concludes with Bigfoot's having or not having this type of mysterious mental capacity is not a matter of mere speculation. It is based on actual field observations of otherwise inexplicable events associated with wild mystery hominids. All of this leads to a conclusion that most Bigfoot researchers find very uncomfortable. Bigfoot appears to be psychic, and that gives them a decided advantage in remaining hidden. Yeah, psychic Bigfoot. That's all we need now, my friend, is psychic Bigfoot. My goodness. That's just the base of their powers. As far as I can figure, all of them can mind speak with each other. It explains a lot of weird things that they're capable of doing. But it seems like there's other ones that have specialized training. Ooh, they got the special training. Like when you're advanced in the martial arts school and you get the special training. And then they know how to do other things that are also annoying and make them impossible to find. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that test with, with the gorilla because, believe it or not, the National Hockey League actually, <laughs> at least they used to, use videos like that and others to distract their um, their potential referees and linesmen to see what they would be able to pick up during testing. And they used yeah. videos like that. I mean, it's it's amazing how people can just not even be cognizant to what's right in front of them. Yeah, and like I mentioned the ninja earlier, there's a couple of spots in your, your basic visual range where basically you're not really seeing anything. Your brain is extrapolating on the data that you're getting from both sides and filling in the rest of the field. Mm-hmm. And if you can figure out exactly where that area is, you can sit there and not move. And if they don't expect to see you, they're not going to see you. And that's part of the problem with Sasquatch because most people don't have anything programmed into their brain that, A, they're there, B, if they are there, what they look like, and C, if they're there and what do they look like, where would I look to see them hiding from me? Because they're not going to stand out in the open and do a tap dance, right? They're going to be hiding. Very little of them is going to be visible. But we usually look for eyes. <laughs> look for the eyeballs. Uh, and um, <clears throat> they're exceptionally good at hiding. So even if you know what to look for, you've got that perceptional uh, range mapped out in your brain where here's the object and here's here's what I'm looking for. The chances are you're only going to see a little piece of it. And then your brain has to somehow pull that out and go, oh, wait, this is part of a Sasquatch. It's its elbow sticking around a tree. You know, I mean, it's like that bad. Try to spot these guys in the woods. They're so good at hiding from you. Um, it's, we just re- really don't have much of a chance. And the only time that you tend to get them is when they're, I think they sort of let their guard down because they already trust you and they're getting too close and following you around and you're just being a lunatic and waving the camera randomly in every direction, which occasionally catches them. It actually works. <laughs> they don't expect you to go whoop and turn all the way around all of a sudden. Oh, I, I found that there. one out. I hear you there. It it is still very strange, odd, and eerie, man, that all of a sudden, you know, you could be in this area where it's familiar, it's, you know exactly where you're going, what you're doing, but something just seems odd, and you cannot put your finger on it. No matter how much you look with your human eyes, you don't see it, and it's right in front of your face. Right. Well, we've got some kind of a perception, and I don't know if it's a sixth sense or if it's part of our 
regular perceptual um, abilities that we have that's picking it up. But if they're close enough to you, you can tell they're there. Um, I've started noticing when there are big ones really close, it almost feels like there's a big electric generator near you. You can feel where it's coming from. You may not be able to see them, but it's like there's a really big one right there. <laughs> you know? I'm going to go this other direction over here away from that. Um, and, of course, there's other th things that you might be picking up on. It could be that you're not really um, consciously noticing it, but subconsciously you picked up on their scent. Or maybe you heard some tiny movement that your conscious brain, again, isn't cluing in on, but your subconscious is going, hey, idiot, that's not a mouse over there. You know, you don't know for sure. But it seems like there's almost uh, a psychic thing there. And then when you're in an area, a lot of times they announce their presence. If they're near you or something, they're making some kind of noise, you know, they're around there. When they're not making any noise and everything is dead still, that's when you should get worried. Because For at sure. that point, they're not being Mr. Happy, I'm going to let you know I'm in the woods. No, no, no. They're observing you very closely, and they're not letting you know where they are. And that's the kind of behavior they have going when they're getting ready to jump something. So very, very true. <clears throat> very when you true. need to be really careful, maybe time to leave the woods. Super Duke, we got about uh, 38 seconds left with you tonight. And always a pleasure to have you here. Tell everybody where they can find World Bigfoot Radio. You can find me over on YouTube, BitChute, Rumble, Odyssey, and Bright Eon. I have groups on uh, Facebook, World Bigfoot Radio, and Montana Bigfoot Project, and I have World Bigfoot Central on MeWe. And I got a real cool interview coming up here soon with Richard Doty. Oh, and we're going to cool. talk about the missing Patterson-Gimlin video. Really? Well, you know what? Get him to tell you his Bigfoot story just <laughs> north of me. We did. We did. It's on there. Oh, it I also is. got him to mention a secondary one that he hadn't even thought of where he didn't see it, but it was likely a Class B, and that's on there. Wow. Wow. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Coming up next, it's Dave 101. We're going to talk a little television and the topics we love next on the 101 with Dave Scott, which is me. I'll say it. How you doing, Super Duke? Uh, you're so endlessly entertaining, Dave. It's no wonder everybody wants to watch your show. Right now, you're only on a plethora of terrestrial stations, but in the future here, you'll be interstellar, and you'll be on a myriad uh, of a plethora of stations. And then you'll go transgalactic, multiversal, and you'll be on a multiplicity of myriad of plethora of stations. Well, you know what? Uh, we started something today. We're going to be making a push here very, very soon. Uh, and so we're going to, I'm just working on that uh, right now behind the scenes uh, with our team here. And and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll uh, get some news here. But it'll be good. Right on. It'll be good. Onward and upward with the Wu train and the space travelers aboard it. Got to do it. Got to do it, man. It's the way right we are. It's the way we So run. what's the the um, upper balcony uh, get off my yard old guy rant about tonight, Dave? You know what? It's going to be well, I yesterday I I uh, as if you guys were here, uh I actually had a television crew in studio. And Ooh. and they were they were filming <clears throat> a ghost hunt locally here 
and I don't want to give too much away because i got to talk about it here. But it made me think about how ripped off we are on on paranormal television. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. yeah. That's what we're talking so, about. It is one of my uh, pet peeves as well, so go get them, Dave. Extra verb, panache, and venom. Yeah. A little panache. A myriad of per, per, uh, panache. We don't use myriad <laughs> on this show enough. That is a well, great plethora word. is the official drinking word, and if you have yes. a myriad of plethoras, you're going to get really drunk. Yes. So I don't know how safe it is. By the way, for everybody who knows, on our store, there is now a plethora drink t-shirt. Yes. So be like Super Duke. Go get yourself a plethora drink t-shirt and have some fun with it. Have some fun. And become a, a plethorasaurus like Justin in the chat room just yeah. said. By the way, I've decided something, all right, and you guys are going to hold me to it, the audience. Every round table now, every round table, if you are in our chat room, okay, we are going to give away two t-shirts. One to the super chatter of the night and one to one of our fans per night. One of our regulars. Good morning, Exploding Eyeballs UK. Welcome to SOR Chat. <laughs> I love that name. So, God, Dave, you got some of the best user oh, names in God. the chat room here. I love it. I love the, the creativity. Exploding Eyeballs. That is freaking awesome. So, yeah, we're. I, I want to give away some T-shirts per month. You know, we have a good, loyal audience. And I think if we give one away to the Super... Specifically to Super Chatters. And one away to specifically our listeners. I think it's going to be great. Heck yeah. Hi, Even sweet more fun added on top of the fun that's already there, which is a lot of fun. You get a mountain of fun here, Dave. Now, the only thing that I ask for in return... For the t-shirts, only thing I ask for is I want a photograph back that we can put on our website and use for social media. Because we, right we want to see as many of our fans as possible in our gear. Oh, by the way, Zen1 and uh, Carol, if you guys can message me privately on Facebook Messenger... Uh, we want to uh, talk some website stuff. So if you don't mind getting a hold of me, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, we may be looking to add a web person to our team here very soon. And uh, I'd like to chat with you guys. All right. Um, are you hanging out, Duke? Or are you... Uh, okay. I'm pretty beat. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, though, is when that Swamp Deller, Dweller story he was talking about the dog man wanting to get procure ham for himself. Yeah. And I just put out a show earlier today where William Lunsford is talking about I got five the hog seconds, traps man. down there. 
and they're disappearing from the traps and something's taking them. It made me wonder if that's what's doing it. All right, bud. tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read up on Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again to get off my lawn. It's a Dave 101. All right, so the other day I actually took part in a television documentary that will be aired here in Canada where three lovely ladies are taking on the Gold Rush Trail and telling the stories of the Gold Rush through the eyes. Ice-T knows iced tea, which is why I get my iced tea at Raising Cane's. We're both fresh all day. Sometimes we're sweet. Sometimes we're unsweet. Jack. So chill out with your favorite iced teas this summer at Raising Cane's. One love. <laughs> A lot goes into taking care of your property. You need equipment with more reliability, durability, and versatility built in. Like number one selling Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors, Z-Series mowers that deliver a quality cut, and Sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Lee Tractor Company of Mississippi. Mississippi's elite Kubota dealer. On the web at LeeTractor.net. And ears, and potentially the mouths, of the ghosts. Very cool indeed. Very, very interesting topic. And I love what they are doing. But watching the professionalism of the camera people, the directors, the producers that were all there, it was something that I really hadn't seen before. Look, I don't get a lot of offers for television because I do have a face for radio and some would say a voice for print. But nonetheless, they wanted me to be a part of this because of the ghost tour that I ran over at one of the museums that they were focusing on for their production. It was cool to watch. The cameras being set up, the lighting being set up, all of the gear, televisions, equipment, all the wiring that needed to be put down and laid down. Honestly, I felt like it was exciting. And I enjoyed it, you know? Not that I want a career in television or have my own television show, but it got my old brain moving. It got the gray noodle thinking, this is interesting. 
this is kind of cool. This is something that needs some imagination. So, I have never been a fan of paranormal TV. Now, back when it first started in the early 2000s, I was all about the hype. Sure, I watched Ghost Hunters. I watched UFO Hunters. I watched Paranormal State when A&E was big on the topics. And I had a lot of fun watching those. I didn't know that there was this whole realm of paranormal investigators that were doing this. It was an eye-opener. I didn't even do this show at that time. It really, really convinced me that this is actually kind of cool and something that maybe I could do, just like many of you. But here's what happened. When I started getting involved in this field, the lack of imagination and the lack of accountability for answers really, really grated on me. It really made me feel that there is no imagination regarding where we are. It's the same people with different show titles. Some of them have split off onto their own, but they investigate the same damn places Every bloody time. This is why you hear me say, I am sick of Waverly Hills. I am sick of Alcatraz. I am sick of Route 66. I am sick of Area 51. No, not really. I do want to go there. But I am sick of all the same places being investigated by all the same people just under different show title names. Look, this is why I don't watch a lot of documentaries that come out. Because it's the same damn people giving the same damn message under a different damn title. How are we supposed to learn anything when all it is is the same bread and butter with a different kind of wrapper around it. We're not learning anything. But one thing we need to understand is the same names are always used because the public likes them. The public scores them high, which means that a director or a producer of a television show or series or documentary doesn't want new ideas from new people because what if those people don't make it for, how would you put it? Their ratings, their audience members who get tested on the show saying, what do you think of this person? What do you think of that person? What do you think of that guy? What do you think of that girl? Maybe they don't come through very well on camera. Yes, that is why we see the exact same thing each and every day. That is why you see more people turning to YouTube 
Twitch, BitChute, and other video gathering areas because we want different. And look, the one thing about television that we do know is the same cells. This is why you see zero imagination in any ghost hunting show on television. Did you hear that? The music's playing in the background. No, the hell I didn't. I can't hear a thing because the background noise really, really took away that wood knock, took away that whoop, took away that bang on the door. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Oh, I am sick of it. Where are these producers, these television networks, or whomever, these talent agents, where are they when it comes to creating quality product? Seriously. There are so many stories out there, and I'm not talking the ones that use D and E League celebrities to come out of the woodworks where since they haven't got a job since 1980s television sitcoms where all of a sudden they're ghost hunters, they're cryptid hunters, they're UFO hunters. We don't need that. We don't need Rob Lowe's opinion from back in the day. We don't need Jack Osborne of today. What we need is people who are looking for true answers to the stories. Look, the reason why these paranormal shows never solve anything is because they're not looking for anything. They remind me of weekend ghost hunters who are just weekend warriors looking for their weekend thrill. There are brilliant people out there who have knowledge of what is going on. There are towns out there, cities out there, hamlets out there that have their own secrets of stories that'll never be told because some producer, some television know-it-all knows better. Look, I want to see stories from small-town Washington State in in the mountains that literally have tons of Sasquatch stories. I want to go into the small towns of the northern peninsula of Michigan to learn about Dogman. I want to go into the province of Quebec to some small town way in the north, you know, in the Arctic tundra to learn about the Wendigo sightings. I want to go to northern British Columbia and find out about those pterodactyls that they call ropin that may be taking people as food. As grotesque as it sounds, every small town, every wayward village has secrets. And as those small towns start to die off, because people today want to conglomerate and congest the big cities and the suburbs, those stories can be lost. Where we, in the paranormal and supernatural field, we have the ability to bring those stories back. To bring those stories into the public eye. And a lot of these towns, they rely on those legends, on those lore, for tourism dollars. Look, 
You take Point Pleasant, West Virginia as the perfect example. They are still, 50 years after the fact, relying and making millions of tourism dollars annually on the Mothman. Look at the tourism around Mount Shasta. All of those legends around Mount Shasta. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, congregate at Mount Shasta every year because they want to see if the Lemurians come out of the mountain. They want to see a crystal skull. They want to see UFOs use the volcano as a fuel stop. And I bet they are getting more and better mileage, you know, than six bucks per gallon or $2.23 a liter. It's horrific. No, but there isn't enough imagination going on. There isn't enough storytelling going on. There isn't enough mysteries being challenged or answers being sought on paranormal television. Let, let I can break down every paranormal television show here in the next 30 seconds. We go to a location. We have to find the hot spots. We set up our gear. We send in a team. Team A, you go to the left. Team B, you go to the right. And Team C, you stay here so you don't contaminate anything. And in one hour, we're going to rotate. Then after the four hours of shooting, or ten hours of shooting, or three days of shooting, we all culminate together, stand in a semicircle so we could see each other, and say, well... We didn't get much evidence here, or, wow, we got some evidence there. And then we sit at a table, look at the evidence. Hey, hey, John, I got something. What'd you get? No, that's a fly. No, that's a butterfly. No, that's a cricket. No, that's the sound guy farting. Yeah. What are they solving? Shouldn't we be using this invaluable television time that people are watching and paying attention to because paranormal television is some of the highest rated television around? Shouldn't we be actually looking for answers? Give me something! As Poison sang, give me something to believe in! But no... What's old still works today. Sorry, I want answers. You want answers. We all want answers. Even the ghosts and aliens and cryptids themselves want answers. But we are not giving them to the public. No, we're about entertainment purposes. You know, I love it when these ghost hunters go to these locations that every other one has gone to using the same camera angles, the same everything. Boring. It's boring. And it sucks. What I want to see is I want to see some imagination. I want to see some results. I want to see real people being on television going after some of these incredible experiences. They're out there. The stories are right there within the grasps of our hands. 
All we need to do is find the right people, the new faces, the new voices, who are actually searching for answers to actually get a television crew to say, you know what, you got something here, and we're going to take a chance on it. And hopefully, for some of us, that's right around the corner. Because right now, anything you see on TV, and there are channels dedicated to the paranormal, are unwatchable. Let me know what you think. If you're on YouTube, comment down below. We'd like to see your comment. And I'm curious. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Well, it's up to you. That's your Dave 101. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's News! Who was out there who was a Back to the Future fan? I, You know what? I love Back to the Future. Love it. It's my favorite trilogy of all time. All right? Well, guess what? A VHS copy of Back to the Future has just sold for $75,000 by a Dallas-based auction house. Heritage Auction said the 1986 VHS tape from the collection of Back to the Future star Tom Wilson fetched the high bid from a New York-based collector. The tape was still in its original shrink wrap and rated near mint by experts, the auction house said. The final price is believed to be the highest sum ever paid for a VHS tape. The tape was auctioned alongside other tapes from collections from Wilson, who played Biff Tannen and other members of the Tannen family across the Back to the Future trilogy. God, I love Biff. Wilson's copy of Back to the Future Part 2 sold for $16,250, and his Back to the Future Part 3 VHS fetched a high bid of $13,750. His 1990 Back to the Future box set sold for ten grand. This is the first box set sent out from the studio of Back to the Future Trilogy, says Wilson. The urge to open this, to open the shrink wrap, to me was nearly unbearable because not only does it include Back to the Future 1 and 2 and Mint, but also the documentary secrets of the Back to the Future trilogy. The auction house said each tape came along with a note written by Wilson, and the actor offered to sign the containers for the tapes for the winning bidders. That is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Moving on, a headstone at an Iowa cemetery is raising controversy after residents noticed the family had included a hidden profanity in the marker's engraved message. The family of Stephen Paul Owens, who died at the age of 59 in September 2021, said the hidden message in Owens' headstone at Warren Power Cemetery in rural Polk County is meant as a tribute, not an insult to their departed relative. The headstone message reads, Forever in our hearts until we meet again, cherished memories known as our son, brother, father, papa, uncle, friend, and cousin. The formatting of the type, if you uh, choose each first letter of each line, spells out the word F off. It was a term of endearment, Owen's daughter said. If he said that to you, 
it meant he liked you. If he didn't like you, he didn't talk to you. Well, the Camp Township Board of Trustees, being a bunch of Karens on this, said officials rejected the headstone, but the family has installed it anyways. The board said in a statement that it does not allow profanity on gravestones because those others who have, have a place in the cemetery have the right of decency afforded to them. Right of decency? They're dead. They're dead. All right? It's not like it spells F off. It's in sentence form. 90% of the people are not going to read it that way. And out of those 90 10% who do catch it, guess what? 90% of them, if not more, are going to think it's funny. But it only takes one Karen to ruin a headstone where she needs the message that it says. Oh, here's a scary one for us men. Award-winning scientist has made a shocking revelation that could shake humanity right to its core. Men's penises are shrinking. Dr. Shanna Swan is one of the world's leading reproductive epidemiologists, and her research indicates men are suffering from a higher rate of erectile dysfunction and babies are being born with smaller peepees. In her research, published in her book Countdown, she believes microplastics and pollutants are seeing babies unable to develop properly, causing overall feminization of society. While penis size has weirdly often been a keen topic of conversation in locker room talk, the revelation is much more worrying than one could believe. Not only are we being left with smaller peepees, but sperm counts have dropped by more than 50% in Western countries in the past 40 to 50 years. She points out that the growing number of toxic chemicals, such as uh, foul, foul, uh, foul, uh, whatever that word is, used for food packaging, which she alleges impacts how certain hormones are produced, phthalates, uh, phthalates, something like that. Yeah. Chemicals in our environment and unhealthy lifestyle practices in our modern world are disrupting our hormonal balance, causing various degrees of reproductive havoc. Babies are now entering the world contaminated with chemicals because of the substances they absorb in the womb, all leading to shrinkage without being in cold water. This is terrible. Absolutely terrible. we got to fix that. But how, I don't know. Us old-timers may have to come out of retirement. No pun intended. Thank you to Shirky Poo for the news. Thank you so much for everybody listening to the Dave 101. Our good friend, Super Duke for World Bigfoot Radio, Swamp Dweller, and our guest, Steve Stockton, tonight for hanging on out for a wonderful, wonderful show. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone tuning us in on our chat rooms, YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching.
We own the night, Mr. Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. If you have bills and debt piling up, a personal loan through NetCredit can provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track if eligible. Visit netcredit.com today. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com partners for more information. With bills to pay and debt piling up, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Personal loans through NetCredit can provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track financially if eligible. Our secure application process allows you to customize the terms that work for you and your budget. So check your eligibility today without affecting your credit score and help get your finances back on track. NetCredit, a more personal, personal loan. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com partners for more information.